This is Comic Shenanigans, Episode 80, Spotlight on Star Trek Into Darkness. Welcome once again to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 80, our Spotlight into spotlight on Star Trek Into Darkness episode. I'm joined by two co-hosts today, and they are... Two more mates. And my lovely wife... Kelly Chapman. So before we actually talk about the movie that we just saw, about maybe half an hour ago, um, first I want to break down uh, our previous relationship with Star Trek, because obviously that informs our opinions on the movies. So Tibor, why don't you kind of briefly... What is your history with Star Trek? Briefly, I know it's a long one, but let's. Yeah, well, I'm you're, wearing, life... you're wearing a Star Trek shirt right now. I am. I'm a lifetime Star Trek fan. Uh, my mom was a big fan of the original series, so that's what got me into it. In fact, she came with, to the movie with us today. She did, of course. I can't see a Star Trek movie without my mother because she was the one that got me into it. So that is Saturday, st- Sunday mornings as a child was Star Trek and church, and that was uh, that was life for a long time. <laughs> Which one was more important to you? Star Trek, obviously. <laughs> Okay, and then from there, like, um, she's just well, been a fan forever. Yeah, well, she was a fan of the original when it came on in the 60s, and uh, obviously went to all the movies when they came out, and uh, I believe my first movie was Star Trek Four, I want to say, okay. but I don't remember any of that. Like, the first Star Trek film I remember is Star Trek Six. Really? Yeah, like, actually being in the theater. Okay. But uh, I'm sure I saw most of the other movies before that. Okay, and, and you and you've uh, seen all the all the series. Yeah, I've seen all the series. Was I mean, Next Generation was what I really grew up on. I, like, I hated the original series as a kid. Mm-hmm. I honestly was like, this is really cheesy, and didn't enjoy it all that much. But then, of course, when I was in high school, I went back and actually watched it, and it's brilliant. So there's that, and then yeah, I watched Next Generation in its original run till Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all the way to Enterprise, and I was one of the few that enjoyed Enterprise. Uh, yeah, and if you want to rate series. For me personally, series with Deep Space Nine goes first, TNG next, then uh, the original series, Enterprise and Voyager. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Now, myself, I think I actually also remember seeing Undiscovered Country with my dad in theaters, and I think that was my first Star Trek movie in theaters. Uh, Is and that we'll- six? Six, yeah. Can we either stick with numbers or names. Yes, yeah, sorry. Or both. Star Trek Six. Six. The Undiscovered Easy Country. Man, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> I've always I've been a huge fan of Undiscovered Country. That was my for me. It'll always be my favorite Star Trek movie. Um, at least the original six for sure. Um, it's much like you actually. I mean, I started watching it with my dad on Sunday morning. Sorry, Sunday mornings we'd watch uh, Star Trek on what was it? The CKVR at the time uh, in Canada in Toronto. Uh, then I grew up on Next Generation, and I didn't watch as much of DS9. I remember watching Voyager and just not really liking that at all. And I kind of fell out of touch with Enterprise, but did enjoy what I saw. I've watched all the movies. It's kind of my history with the franchise. And then, Kelly, what's your history with Star Trek? Um, I don't have a long-standing history with Star Trek. Uh, I remember seeing episodes as a kid. My dad watched Next Generation. Uh, he was a big Star Trek fan at one point. He had uh, two parrots named Kirk and Spock. So That's awesome. He was a fan going way back. So I used to watch Next Generation when I visited him, um, mostly because I was in the room, not because I was an active participant. Uh, and other than having a crush on Wesley Crusher, <laughs> I didn't really have any strong feelings towards it. Nowadays, I just get dragged to things and forced wow. to watch episodes and dress like <laughs> hey, Star hey. Trek for Halloween and <laughs> that kind of stuff. And you've but, loved every minute of it. Uh, those... I don't know how you can love... 
tight polyester uniform. And just but, to clarify, I started calling her old man because on my DS9 rewatch, I realized how much she reminds me of Jedzia Dax. So <laughs> that's her nickname now. Okay. Yes, Captain. Um, so that's that's us and our our history and relationship with Star Trek. And then before we actually talk about the new movie, we wanted to have a few minutes just to kind of discuss uh, going into this movie. Obviously, we'd seen the 2009 Star Trek, where it was kind of the reinvention of the wheel, basically going back to the classics and spinning it in a new way. So, Tibor, what was your original thoughts when you saw that film? Okay, well, just to clarify, 2009 was was uh, sold as this is not a remake. This is not a remake. This is a Reimagining sort of deal, what's it? But not because we all know the plot. It's a, it turns out to be an alternate timeline. Um, yeah, I mean, two thousand nine. When I initially saw it, I remember Kelly actually asking me afterwards, "Was what do you think?" And I didn't know what to say because it was so different from what I'm used to. And I didn't wasn't quite sure if that was good or bad. So I had to like see it a second time to really sort of grasp it. And uh, there's a lot of things I liked about it, a lot of things I didn't like about it. Overall, I thought it was an okay start. I get what they were doing with it. And uh, what's it? I don't know. What, what, go through what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, we'll be brief about it. I mean, I first of all, the acting. I mean, so the the cast they chose. Casting, um, I thought was good. The only the only one that doesn't quite work for me, but I'm, I'm warming up is Simon Pegg. Um, I like him as an actor. I don't know if he quite hit, hits the character he's supposed to be. I don't know who Simon Pegg is. Simon Pegg is the one who does Scotty. <laughs> yeah, Scotty. Oh, okay. I, like I, I agree. He wasn't quite the Scotty of the original series. He's like he is a totally reimagined sort of character. He's got a completely different whereas the rest, attitude. Yeah, whereas the rest of them are, feel more like you know they're they're paying homage much more closely. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And I, I, I like in the first one, I like that they took the time to kind of cherry pick aspects of the characters that we've come to love over the last you know however many years, and also then put fresh new spins. So like you have um, Sulu with the sword because he's a fencing champion, like. Again, which is interesting because like that's one of the most classic moments for Sulu on the original show, so they wanted to bring that aspect in. So I like that they they had these kind of call outs to if, if you were a fan of the of the series in any way, you'd be like, okay, I know what that's about. Yeah, well, and I also one of the things I did like about the 2009, like they expanded Ahura's role and made her more sort of like Hoshi from Enterprise, that she was more of a linguist and she had more of a purpose of being on the bridge than just yeah. I'm here to. You know, be the receptionist, True. right? Which they was gave, nice. They gave her a lot more spunk, and know? then as well as uh, Chekhov's character expanding him to be involved. He was more of a genius, and I love him. Yeah, he's probably my favorite. He wasn't in this one enough. Really? Yeah, I yeah. guess he was. No one was yelling at him to take the con. <laughs> I feel like he got demoted. They're like, put this red shirt on. I don't know what the colors mean. Well, then he left the promotion because he got to be in engineering the entire. Yeah, time. he was chief of engineering all of a sudden. I just know that it felt like a demotion to me because I was used to seeing him on the bridge and yeah. he got to keep taking the con. But well, I mean, Jordy from TNG started out on the bridge as well in a red shirt. Reading Rainbow, <laughs> and then he ended. Yes, thank you. Then he ended Rainbow. up on Reading Rainbow, and yes, but then he also ended up in engineering as the chief engineer. So I mean, it's not like that's the first time that's happened. No, it's not. And it was, and I mean, the the thing was they they mentioned in the news. Well, we're going into the new one now, but it's at. Uh, hey, what else about two thousand nine? Likes and dislikes. You want me to go through my list? Uh, go ahead, Tibor. Okay. Yours will be more interesting than Okay, ours. let's go to the plot-wise. It's at uh, 2009. Um, I thought Nero, unfortunately, didn't get uh, used properly. Like, we didn't really know much about him. Unfortunately, the comics are what flushed him out as a character, hmm. which I think shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't have to read the comics. And it's really unfortunate because he's sort of, you know, underutilized. That's true. He's a bit more of a plot device. I would like to have more of an idea of what really he's about. I got it. You got enough of it? I got it. You weren't... I know what he's about. You weren't... You, I don't need any background. But there is more background to the character. You don't care? I'm fine without it, though. Okay. 
Well, I guess in, at the same time, like you, you like it didn't leave me wanting more. You okay. guys are saying there is more. Great. You don't but need. You I don't wasn't need. like, oh, this character. I really wish we delved farther into him. Like I got it. Hmm. You know what I mean? I guess our complaint is he's a little one-dimensional. Like we wanted to see the third dimension behind him, or even the second, really. Like there's really just the one dimension. Yeah, he wants to. Kick he's just he's just angry yeah. and wants to kill. Yeah, that sounds like a good villain to me. Yeah, but I mean, some of the best villains have have texture. Anyways, I mean, it's it is it's not here nor there. He didn't, and he was more just a plot device to keep it going. But I mean, that being said, the first movie had so much heavy lifting to do that I was more willing to forgive it. Yeah, I mean, I understand what they were going for in the whole arc of you know they wanted to start these guys, they wanted to find everybody, put them together on the ship. And then the last shot be the the crew of the Enterprise that we all know and love. Though I thought that they sort of, like, there's a lot of conveniences that happened in the movie for things to fall into place, which I just thought was, like, shitty writing, to be honest. Mm. Like, it, like you know, everybody sort of gets promoted. Like, it, it's pretty funny. I mean, what is it? Uh, McCoy becomes chief of a chief medical officer because the guy, the, the guy uh, dies. previous guy dies when they get attacked. Um, Uhura gets her position because the dude's an incompetent douchebag that doesn't know Romulan. Yep. Um, or it's other dialects. Um, what else? Well, Kirk becomes captain very, very quickly. He doesn't even graduate from Starfleet Academy. And here you go, kid. Here's the best ship in the fleet, which they sort of address in this one. Yeah, which I, I thought I felt, it was all right. I felt like in this one there was a bunch of things that they definitely wanted to address, like you know, little things that people may have pointed out, and they're like, yeah, why is I, this? I'll give them credit that they listened to the fans to that, like, and sort of addressed it in some ways, which was good. But there's still a lot of conveniences, like the whole thing of him coming back and then having to wait 25 years because Spock for some reason took 25 years to get through the tunnel what's yeah. that, the, through the black hole and, uh, what's that, and the red matter and all that it just it's sort of what's that, it was just kind of funny like a lot of things are just sort of you know were unnecessary like why did Spock need all that red matter and then at the end of the movie when it blows up the entire thing it's the same size wormhole as the little drop hmm. it was just little things like that or sorry not wormhole it was a black hole yeah um, yeah I mean I like the destruction of Vulcan I thought that was a bold move Though I don't think that they can actually explore that aspect of the Vulcans, which would be really interesting and could be explored in a series versus the films. That's, um, that's a good point, actually, yeah, because there's a lot more sociological implications that you, if in a TV series would be able to address it more accurately. Yeah, and I Whereas, thought it was a bold move to do it, but it's just you can't do anything with it, really, to like unless you distract from the film. Hmm. Right? So it's sort of, it adds a whole dimension to the Vulcan people, which would be really interesting to explore in a series, but can't be done here. No. Um, the whole way Spock and Kirk met, like, Spock Prime in 2009 was just ridiculous, and, like, they could have come up with something way better than that. You know, I, yeah, I was watching it actually yesterday, and I thought about that, but I also thought, you know, they're also addressing the idea that things are going to happen in the, are meant to happen in a certain way, and they're almost addressing the idea of fate, and that certain things are going to happen no matter what, so that certain people are drawn to each other, and certain elements of their lives will fall into a certain pattern like even the, like the nature is going to reconstruct itself around even though you've damaged it it still wants to go along a certain path yeah and, i and guess that's a lot what of they science, were going for there's but... a lot of science fiction that explores that idea and i i actually like that idea that there is a destiny that these all these characters have together and that even though you change something it still allows them to live out that destiny and i thought that's what the whole point of the first movie was is that even though you you, you disrupt something in the space-time continuum uh it will try to heal itself and still put these people along that path you might call it shitty writing. I call it more interesting idea of fate. Yeah, no, it's an idea. I, I just didn't like the whole aspect of it. Like Spock would not shoot Captain Kirk out to a ice planet with one shitty star base on it that has Spock and that little douchebag that does nothing in this film either. 
Um, Kessler, I think his name is. And, he has a and, name? Yeah, I, he does. Um, the little alien guy? Yeah. The little he's alien cool. guy that has no Why lines at all in him? this movie. He's a secondary character. He's he's the Jar Jar of this. He's kind of the uh, third break character. Like, I don't know if he's the Jar Jar. Yeah, he's, he's not the Jar Jar. That's well, he doesn't. Fair. What's that? He doesn't. He doesn't mess up the movie to the extent that Jar Jar he's does. Just, but that's he, sort of his character. He's there for the kids, just to oh look at the little alien. Like, he's, he's an Ewok, right? Yeah, exactly. He's an Ewok. <laughs> but he's just, pretty much what he is. But they don't make the movie about that, so I don't really care. No, I know, but I mean, like, why have that stupid character? He's there just to have the, like to be the brunt of a couple jokes. Yeah, and really, like, it's it's he's pointless. All right, so are, are we done with the 2009 movie? Um, what else? What's it? Uh, quickly, if there's anything else. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, you liked it? I yeah, know. it's one of those movies whenever it's on TV, I'll stop and watch it. Which is a big big point of praise. I mean, yeah. like, there's only, like the, I, I don't think of a lot of movies that you would actually stop and watch each time. So, I mean, like, you... we own it, but I don't usually, like, pull it out and start watching it. But if it's on, like, I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I hadn't watched it in a long time. I guess I don't browse TV all that often. So I actually put it in yesterday and watched it again. I still enjoyed it. Um, I wanted certain things out of the second movie based on how it ended. I wanted the first movie ended with a, a big sense of you know now we're going to explore things and I was really excited for that and that's yeah. what they started this movie and with. I was very happy like I hadn't seen the first nine minutes so we're segueing into the new movie but you had already Tibor you'd already seen the first nine minutes earlier yeah with the with, Hobbit with the Hobbit yeah so I hadn't seen that so I didn't even realize that that was coming so I like that they showed them actually exploring and doing something along the lines of what Star Trek used to be. Uh, they kind of they kind of messed it up a little. They messed it up huge. Like I love how they're running around. The, okay, the whole opening sequence. Do we want to break it down? What's it? There's yeah. a, a native species to a planet that is, I guess. What's it? They're still very primitive. They don't Extremely have any sort of uh, mechanical technology or anything. And uh, for some reason, Kirk decides to save them, even though it's completely against the Prime Directive. Hmm. But then. They're so insistent about not breaking the Prime Directive, even though they're breaking the Prime Directive, that they decide to hide the Enterprise in the ocean on this planet and send a shuttlecraft to a volcano to drop Spock off to drop a device into the volcano. Super convoluted, super ridiculous. And when I saw that nine minutes, I honestly thought that this movie was going to be in that same sort of vein, and I was really happy that it wasn't. Because that opening sequence is garbage. I'll be honest, it's garbage. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was it was, it was, it was a kind of silly, fun romp. But it was ridiculous. Like, what was the purpose of putting the Enterprise into the ocean? But I like hiding it. I like. The, mean, what was the purpose? They I like, were hiding. They can it? hide in orbit. No, they couldn't. They didn't want yeah, them to see. Well, they could. Well, on the other side of why didn't they just hide the ship in orbit where it belongs, not in the atmosphere, and send the shuttlecraft down like they did? What's the difference? Because the okay, for example, <laughs> I read something, an article. I think, believe it was Orky and or whatever his name is. It's a okay, and uh, the two writers. It's a and um, is it Orky and Kurtzman? Yes. Okay. So apparently, Kurtzman like said, "Oh, what would be cool if we see the Enterprise come out of the water?" And the other ones goes, "Yeah, that's cool. That's a great idea. Let's do that." And I seriously think that that was the extent of their conversation on doing it. Because it's ridiculous. There's no point in doing it. I did like, though, that they at least addressed that. I mean, didn't, wasn't it Scotty who was like, you know, we shouldn't even be underwater? Yeah, but Scotty's afraid of the friggin' hull being destroyed by salt water. 
which is ridiculous at the same time, because if the ship is going to be damaged by salt water, it's not fucking space-worthy, okay? That's a pretty fucking problem. Is uh, salt water on an indigenous planet? Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I don't buy it. I think the whole sequence Sodium was just... Chloride, there is no they oil. thought it would be cool to show the Enterprise rising from the and water, and that's what they just... It was not. It was stupid. I liked it. As an old fan, I thought it was completely dumb and stupid. First of all, the other thing is the scale of this Enterprise... Two years old, for the record. Two years old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old fan. I'm only 30, but I'm old. Um, for the record, it was good. The scale of the ship was one of the first things I was asked when 2009 came out. Okay. They had two different scales, because I think these guys honestly didn't think this thing through at all. Okay. Because these writers... To me, these writers don't seem to really care about the technical side of things. They're more visual people. Okay. And even J.J. Abrams, I think that's why he's going to do a better Star Wars, is because he's more a visual guy. Like, he's not... Let's say, that's true. He, he's not concerned about how big is this ship, how many decks does it have. Yeah. Though, on the old Star Treks, they had people that were concerned about that stuff, which I think is a dimension of that... That is a great thing about Star Trek. That's true. Star Trek it, always used to be more about plausible science as opposed to Star Wars. That was always the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, it was Star Wars was fiction. Star Wars was the fantasy. Star Trek was the believable, you know, science fiction part. And to me, that just sets up a more more believable world, and you know, it sort of grounds it. I think, which is a great thing. Whereas in this one, they sort of throw that out the out the window a little bit. And I mean, I guess that's what they're going for because they're trying to bring on a new audience and all that. So I sort of get it, but I, I don't forgive him for that opening sequence. It was terrible. You know, I, I'm okay with it. First of all, I thought it was fun. And, and yeah, a little silly, but, but in a good way. And I also thought it set up uh, some personal conflicts in the characters so that we could see Kirk actually mature. Because he never matured in the first movie. That was one of my few complaints, is that he didn't really change as a person. He never really had to realize he'd failed. He, you know, he, he never really had to learn any lessons. Whereas in this one, he had a definite character arc. He learned, yeah. he learned some lessons. He learned the, the importance of, of thinking, of, of crew, of family, and of actually being a captain as opposed to just being a guy who leaps before he looks. And so I thought that this movie was a lot better character study on why he is who he is and how to also make him understand the responsibilities of being a captain uh, and be, become more the Kirk we know. Because this Kirk has always been a little rough around the edges because of his upbringing. Yeah, he's been that. more of an arrogant douche in a lot of ways. So, going back to 2009, that Kobayashi Maru thing was just ridiculous. The way that they portrayed it wasn't... It, 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 it was made a douchebag. made him a little bit more cavalier. Whereas this one, I, I felt like he wasn't cavalier anymore and he actually grew up a bit. And it, it, unfortunately, it took the death of Christopher Pike in order for that to happen. But um, Which I thought was a good it was way effect- of doing it. I was sad that Christopher Pike died. I mean, I liked... Greenwood was so good as Pike. Like, he made me sad when he died, and I don't... Like, before this, Pike was not much of a character on the original series. No, I mean, you, well, unless you saw the... Which most people have, if they're big fans. Uh, the original pilot, where... Wasn't know, that the cage? It's the cage, yeah. Okay. That's Captain Pike. And then he comes back for the two-part menagerie. That's right. Kelly? Yeah? We're still talking about the opening sequence for the most part. You liked it? Yeah. Well, what did you like about it? We've kind of been shutting you out, unfortunately. We don't mean no, to. fine. I don't, I'm you're kind of the Paul. Me. You're kind of the Paul of this podcast. Why am I the Paul? Because on the Iron Man three spotlight episode, uh, he was a little bit more. We we overshadowed him a little bit. I don't That's know about fine. that. Well, I'm listening. Okay, I'm so gonna argue if I get the need, but right now I'm not disagreeing wholeheartedly with anything you're saying. I like the opening sequence. Okay, it was fun, but I don't have any like I liked it for this these six reasons. Like it was enjoyable. I thought it got the action going. Mm-hmm. Um. But it didn't feel like... I mean, it felt like you jumped right into their adventure. I like that part, too. And like you said, I mean, I think it, it was useful. There was some character development that came as a result of that. 
Um, yeah, but that character could have element could have been handled in I mean, a different way. Yeah, but you're not the writer of the movie. No, I'm not. Like, there always could be a different way to do everything. It was just a ridiculous sequence, even by Star Trek standards. Like it was more a Star Wars like sort of thing to do. It was just here. Look at the Enterprise. We can put it in water and. Yeah, the, vol- the whole cool. volcano thing, putting Spock in the volcano. Yeah, Why not just cool dump too. the device in the volcano? Like he had to detonate it. Yeah, that's ridiculous, though. I mean, he just is... invented it. Maybe he didn't invent the long-range activation codes yet. <laughs> it and, is... the, and the transporters in these movies, like really, that like are ridiculous. Like they work when they want to. They don't work when they don't. And just conveniently, we can't use the transporter now because of this. Or... I was more surprised that when they did use the transporter that. I mean, Chekhov was so good in the first one in using the transporter, uh, the teleporter. I mean, yeah, but nobody was in a volcano. I know, but I'm saying even later on, near the, the end of the movie, in the end when they were trying to get because uh, and Connie is like they're moving because we've seen that's him like his thing. Yeah, we've seen him do some pretty crazy things with the. But the ship was damaged. True, but a the te- but the teleporter seemed all right. Like in the first movie, he was pretty crazy on being able to. Wasn't it when? Um, yeah, it was, Sulu and Kirk were because of the gravitational thing of the Vulcan being destroyed. Scotty couldn't figure it out, but Chekhov went down and, yeah. and was able to beam almost everybody except for Spock's mother yeah. off the off of Vulcan before it blew up. But now they can't send Spock or a device into a volcano with a transporter. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more able to forgive that part because I feel like a volcano, enough stuff could be happening. It was just the visual effect <laughs> to put Sp- Spock into a volcano and to say that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, which I thought was sort of forced. That did seem It a didn't feel forced. very natural. Do you remember that line, baby? Yeah. Okay. I liked where's it, it. Where's it from? It's from that thing with that guy who said the... Star Trek Two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, and let's say it. Let's, uh, this movie is a sort of a take on Star Trek Two. And I'm okay in with that. In a remake in a lot of ways. I'm okay with that. I'm, I, one other thing I liked about it is that we're seeing... I, I liked how we're seeing the effects of the first movie and the events of the first movie, how it changes the entire time stream. Like, everything is going to unfold differently. But again, the idea of fate, certain elements are going to happen and, and come into play. Maybe slightly different, maybe a little reversed from what we're expecting. But they're still there. And I actually really like that. It's Because it, it wasn't the same con story. It was a very different... Like, it was and it wasn't. Because, and, and seeing them team up with Khan was refreshing. Yeah, well, to be honest, when I'm going into it, when I heard, like, I mean, the rumors have been flying around for months. That, oh, for, ever since they said we're going to make Star Trek 2. Yeah. Like, that, that's when everyone's like, okay, so it's going to be Khan, right? Yeah, like, the rumors have been flying around since, and I, to be honest, when I first heard Khan, I thought, it's a really stupid idea because you're sort of defeating the purpose of 2009, which was to get rid of Star Trek canon. Mm-hmm. In order to do new stories. Yes. So I was sort of like, if they're going to do Khan again, I think it's a stupid idea. Though, uh, surprisingly, I, I didn't think it was as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. Like, I, I was honestly worried that this movie was just going to be nothing but a stupid action romp with no sort of any, like, character moments. And it, though, it, it surprised, pleasantly surprised me. I want to say that is, like, the most glowing review you're ever going to get from T4. <laughs> no, it was. It wasn't. I thought I was expecting to hate this, but I didn't. Yeah. No, it's true. Like, I was worried. As a Star Trek fan, I was worried that it was going to be all just a so we, giant crap. Let's, let's talk... Okay, so after the opening sequence, that first nine minutes... Which was which, garbage, to be fair. I disagree, and so does Kelly. But why don't you guide us through the rest of the movie? Okay, so after that, we uh, get into the real movie, because that was just really an opening teaser. Um, which I'm fine with. I mean, Bond movies do it all the time. Yeah, no, no. That, that's fair. I just would have liked to have seen something different. Um, then we get into... Where do we go from there? Um, well, Kirk then, gets demoted yeah. because of his actions on the planet, and 
but not not before we see him in a in a threesome with some alien girls. Right, because we have to have that. Let's say who have tails, which was pretty cool. It brought back to the uh, animated series. Oh, was that? Was yeah, that, that it's sort of harkened that uh, there's a character in the anime series that's like a cat that has a tail. <laughs> oh, so that's, it. that's where that was. Um, actually, we skipped the part with uh, with London, London, and the little girl. Yeah. So we see a Starfleet officer. What's it? Uh, whose little girl is in a hospital? It looks like she's dying. Um, you know, obviously this, the father and the mother look really broken up that they can't save their child. Mm-hmm. And in walks John Harrison, aka Khan which we find out later on, it's that uh, Cumberbatch's character, mm-hmm. and he says, I can help you. So he gives this guy a vial of blood and a Starfleet uh, graduation ring, and uh, the Starfleet officer goes into the hospital, gives the girl the blood, she's saved, then he takes the ring, which turns out to be a bomb, and blows up half of London with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that? we don't know why at this point. Um, then from there, it's a, we go into Kirk getting demoted, and yep. Pike is going to take over the Enterprise again. So and, he and, can, he's, and he's an admiral now. He is an admiral, yeah. Um, but so, he's going to take command of the Enterprise because Kirk needs to learn a little bit more. Which hum- was humility, basically. Yeah. One thing well, I did he like, graduated from Starfleet Academy in three years. It didn't finish his fourth and became captain <laughs> of the best ship in the fleet. Yep. So they sort it's, of, I guess it's hard to be hum- <laughs> to have humility at that point. I did like that they had um, Pike having the uh, the cane. Because at the end of the first one, we saw him with yeah, he was in the wheelchair, and we, so we didn't know the extent of his injuries, and so it's interesting to see that they're kind of carrying through on that, and he actually did, you know, lose some of his mobility. Yeah, I mean, and the wheelchair was harkening back to the original series when he's in the uh, where he has the one beep for yes, two beeps for no, or yeah. vice versa, which was cool to see. And then, uh, where do we go from there? Ah, uh, uh, well, then they, they they go in for an emergency meeting of the the kind of the top brass. And the, and the first officers of Starfleet. Before we before they actually get into the meeting, you have uh, Kirk telling Spock that he's basically been reassigned somewhere else because uh, Spock's been reassigned so that Kirk can be a first officer to Pike. Uh, and then they have this com- the convening of this basically this uh, this leadership conference. Uh, the idea being that whenever a critical attack has basically gone through, that they would have this emergency meeting. That's part of their protocol. And then when they realize this, uh, then re- right when Kirk kind of realizes, that, you know, maybe that. This is why things are going this way. They get uh, attacked by Harrison. Yeah. And that kind of sets up the, the main tone for, like, you have Pike dying, which is a huge element of uh, pushing Kirk's uh, evolution of, as character forward. He's a lady he, in a fridge. Yes. Um, yes, he's a woman in a fridge. Yeah. Um, that's a comic book reference to uh, women in comic books usually being used as plot devices to further development of male characters. There, there was a Green Lantern... Yeah, Kelly's really good at this. <laughs> there was a drop in the comic book. Exactly. There was, a Green Lantern, oh, yeah. there was a Green Lantern character whose a girlfriend was stuffed into a, murdered and was stuffed into a fridge. He opens the fridge and finds her there. Okay. And Adam thought it was a good idea well, to read this case, comic. Like, we've been dating like a month. He's like, I'm going to read you a comic. That's the one I read you. Yeah, you did. I read you the one where uh, Sue Dibney got murdered. And it, I still showed her one with the murder happening. Yeah, see this pretty girl in this comic? She's dead! And she's pregnant, remember? Oh, yeah. She's pregnant and then she was murdered. Anyway. You never found out who did it. It's her best friend. We digress. <laughs> wow. Um, getting back to the movie now. Yeah, sorry. So, Pike dies, which I, and I did like the moment between Pike and Spock, which I thought was a cool moment, that Spock got to mind meld yes. with uh, Pike to feel what he felt as he was dying. That was fascinating, actually. Which, uh, which was a nice... Uh, nice Nice drop there. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, to go back a second, I also like before we got there when you when you first had Pike telling uh, 
Kirk Davis being demoted, you got to kind of feel that that kind of fatherly relationship between the two of them. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, with, if it wasn't for Pike, Kirk wouldn't be in Starfleet at all, and that he has this special interest in Kirk, and they do have this kind of this bond that Kirk never had with his own father because his father died uh, saving everyone on the Kelvin. So it was interesting. So then Kirk uh, Pike dying is a motivating factor for Kirk because he's basically lost his father. Again. Like, yeah, yeah, and in a much more violent way, at least... Well, not really more violent, but now he can actually feel that. Well, it was a lot pain. more senseless because his dad at least went out a hero saving. That's true. Hundreds of lives, but Pike was just died, killed in cold blood. Cold in the cross, killed in the crossfire. Yeah, and so from there we basically we start, I guess, the, the main journey. Yeah, which is basically uh, Admiral Marcus, played by Peter Weller, yep. RoboCop. <laughs> yep. Um, he basically sets it up that. Uh, He's going to give... Well, actually, I think it was Kirk that says he wants the command of the ship to go after him. Yes. Which, which uh, Marcus. Admiral Marcus allows and says that he wants these torpedoes brought on board because these are new long-range torpedoes. And it turns out that John Harrison, Con, uh, Cumberbatch, <laughs> whatever we're going to call him, yeah. that, uh, beamed away using the same technology that they used in the first one, the long-range transport, yeah. to Kronos, the Klingon homeworld, uh, to a derelict city on the homeworld. And that's where he's hiding. And at this point, the Klingons are not at war with Federation, but they're, they've got a neutral zone set up and they're not interfering. Yeah. Neither side wants to be uh, involved with each other. A few quick thoughts there. I did like that uh, they had confiscated Scotty's um, his, his theorem, basically. Like, Well, it was really Spock that brought it back and gave it to Scotty. But yeah, they took it from... I mean, it's something that, I mean, theoretically he created in the prime timeline. And it was just like the idea that he's not yet there, that he could recreate it on his own, so that actually got confiscated, which does seem like something that would happen in a, mil- a pseudo-military organization like Starfleet. True, but you wouldn't think that Scotty would like put that to memory, that equation? You would, well, uh, how complicated is it, though? I don't know. I was so-so on that. Like, I think Scotty would remember that. That's sort of an important discovery. One thing I also but, thought of by the end, and I hadn't thought of it when it happened because we didn't know, but, um, I mean, obviously when Cumberbatch's character shows up and starts assassinating everyone, obviously he knew to leave Mark. Well, not, I guess he, he wanted to kill Marcus, but he missed? Yeah, no, I guess, he yeah. He was trying to kill all of them. Yeah. Yeah, he was trying to kill a Starfleet, but it was it was mainly Marcus was his target because yeah. we, what we find out later, which we'll get to. Yeah, Marcus really uh, lucked out by having uh, Pike die, though. Because Pike never would have gone along with his plan, like the the plan to uh, to take out uh, Harrison. There's no way Pike ever would have done it. Yeah. So the orders were to go to the neutral zone and fire these long range torpedoes at Kronos at that city specifically to take out John Harrison because there's nobody else around, which is kind of convenient. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Well, why would Harrison even go? I guess I'm, I'm not going to try and pick it apart because I did enjoy the movie quite a lot but it's interesting that he decided to go there but I guess it's because well was the whole the... thing was that Starfleet wouldn't follow because they wouldn't want to risk war with, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Klingons an interesting thing that I mentioned to you off podcast I know I'm not supposed to do that uh, right when the movie ended though is that the fir- when TOS uh, first happened it was during a certain era in, in history where the Cold War was most prevalent so the uh, hostilities basically between the Klingons and the in Starfleet was more emblematic of that. Would you say that's correct? Like, yeah. they were the Russians. Um, the Federation was the Americans, basically. And so, the idea. So, a lot of the the themes that played out there were much more of like, how do you operate in this Cold War mentality? Whereas it's interesting that this film, produced in more of a modern sensibility, is much more about like terrorism. One of our own has attacked us. At least the way it starts. 
Yeah, no, well, yeah, it's yeah, exactly it's, it's directly like, linked to it's that. It's like a terrorist bombing takes place, basically, and then we have to... It's very, very... It feels almost a little forced in some ways that Harris... Um, not Harrison. Uh, Marcus is almost Bush-like in that, you, you know... You yeah, it's true. Trying to trying to use this as an, as a way to kind of create... It was a very much the events of September 11th being played out. I mean, wasn't there something at the end? There was, like, a dedication at the end. There was a dedication. Something yeah. with the people in the service... Well, we saw at the end it was dedicated to the people who service in 9-11 and who continue to serve. Something something like that. I didn't catch the whole thing because Adam was talking. Wow. No, but you were. I'm just saying. it was There was a dedication and it was to the people whose service has been valued, continued, I don't know, something. Okay. Sorry, not to be, not to belittle the dedication. I just don't know exactly what it said. Okay. But it makes it sense. To those who have served in like the military yeah. and... and as a direct result of the events of 9-11 sort of thing. Okay. Uh, so where were we in our, in our so up to this point? Uh, so after everyone kind of dies, like a lot of people die there. It did make me a bit wonder how big, first of all, how many ships are in Starfleet at this point in But time? they said the ships that were the closest. It oh, wasn't all the ships. You're right. I just, I, but I've wondered that before. So it was just enough to make it look cool with them sitting around a round table. True, but like, <laughs> like it's not a real number. It's I, just what I know. But I wondered this after the first movie too, though, because in the first movie, yeah, they, the primary fleet in the first movie was in the Laurentian system. Yes, doing but, whatever we don't, which know. is fine. But there was not a lot of people at, around Earth, and so they had to use cadets basically, and and the flagship, the new flagship that wasn't christened yet. To, to do stuff, I, it just made I have wondered how big Starfleet is at this point in time because we don't have a real sense of scope. We only what? really see one or two ships. To be okay. fair, with Star Trek, it's always sort of been like that. Like it's the Enterprise is the only ship in the quadrant, or which is a bad thing to say because the quadrant is fucking huge. And if they only have one ship, though, we've had that happen before in other Star Trek movies. It's just a bit of convenience that the Enterprise is the closest ship, or yeah. so it sort of falls in the same sort of. Uh, you think that, that's happened a lot? In you the think past. they'd always have at least two ships in a quadrant, though? It kind of reminds me of like of Green well, Lantern. Huge. Like, <laughs> I know, but like in Green Lantern, there used to be always one, you know, one one Green Lantern per per quadrant or per, per sector, sorry. And then eventually they doubled that, and now it's two per sector. But I mean, it was always yeah. a sector's huge. You'd think they'd have a few more ships around. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, the the main thing is they got a few uh, Starfleet ships around, and uh, I'm guessing the other ships, the other ship captains, probably stayed to protect Earth in case of yeah. further attack. I, and one, the Enterprise was sent to follow John Harrison. I guess another question I would have is how close, and this, is, this isn't actually a comment on the movie at all, it's just a question though. Uh, how close to the neutral zone, to the beginning of the neutral zone, is Kronos? Because they almost make it seem like Kronos is like right at the edge of the neutral zone. Like, if that was my homeworld, I feel like the, I wouldn't want the neutral zone to be so close. Well, to be fair, there were new, like, torpedoes, long-range torpedoes, right? Like, yeah, the distances and everything is sort of you got to suspend disbelief a little bit. Like mm-hmm. in First Contact, for example, they're at the Romulan neutral zone yeah. when the Borg attack, yet somehow the Enterprise gets there before the Borg has wiped out everything, oh, yeah. which, is, which is ridiculous because it should have taken them several days to get there at maximum warp, right? But Also, what is the maximum warp at this point in time? Because in the first one, weren't they pushing it out at like warp 3? Well, no, but that was because the uh, nacelles were damaged in the uh, okay. when they arrived at Vulcan. So they could only do, I think, warp 4. Okay. Now, in TOS, in TOS what was... The maximum warp at that time. I think, like, warp capability over 7 was, like, really dangerous okay. at because, that point in time. Because, obviously, by TNG, warp 9 is the top. Yeah, war- well, and also the warp field, technically, like, the, the diagram changed, technically, from Next Generation to the... Or, sorry, from the original series to Next Generation. Mm-hmm. It, like, warp 5 is not the same warp 5. There was a different formula used. Okay. 
So. I, I did like um, having the, uh, the the warp trails kind of lag. You like the new effect? Um, I like the Back to the Future effect, yeah. That's what it made me think of, because Back to the Future, when it when it goes through time, it has the, the fiery trails. The zoom where lines. Through, the zoom lines, yeah, let's call it that. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, it didn't really bother me. They've changed the warp effect so many times in, I liked in it. the different movies that it's... And I, I did like how they, you know, they actually warped the ship when it's warping through. Yeah, which they carried on from the first one, because that was in the first one as well. I liked that a lot. And then, this, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping way ahead, but just because we're talking about warp fields, I like that we actually get to see a little bit more of the actual travel through the warp field. Because that's something that's usually not really, we don't really get, like, they kind of go through warp, and then they're out of warp. But now we actually get to see a little bit more of them while they're in the mid-warp, and then having an actual about, fight. We see mid-warp all the time, and they were, like, in Next Generation. It's the, the Rainbow Stars. <laughs> yeah, it's just not as a like wormholey of an effect I just as like, it was in this one. I like the idea here where you actually see like it's like a more of like a stream, and then when they actually have a fight in the middle of the stream, and then being pushed out of the stream. Which yeah, is except like, that those people move really slowly for light speed when they get shot out of the ship, but that's okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess they would be obliterated in a moment. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, obviously they got to show the disaster and then people dying because that's part of the effect, right? So then, once so Kirk decides, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bomb, I'm not gonna. Basically, it wasn't Wait, before spot. that happens. Yes. The new, um, we get the new science officer. That's right. The new right. pretty lady, played by Alice Eve. She yeah. shows up and says she's been Who's, assigned to the ship. Yeah, she says she's so she's been assigned to the ship, and she is Carol Williams, I believe, Wallace. is her. Carol her Wallace. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Carol Wallace, and for some reason Spock nobody checks the orders, I guess, or well, well Kirk glances at it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Kirk was more like, hot. yeah, you she's got a pretty down. little dress. Let's, uh, well, no, she didn't have the dress on at that time. No, but anyway, she didn't. She she's gorgeous. Good. So let's let her on the ship. Yeah, well, let's not that's, question things. To be fair, that's usually what it takes. Like, apparently, yeah. Apparently. Um, I was going to say one other thing. And Spock seems to be offended, which was kind of funny. I did like that because they're kind of playing up the, the this weird relationship between the two of them. Yeah, well, it's a you know, oh, you got a new science officer, uh, and he gives her that dirty look. Which but, was all right, but again, what I liked about that though is that it, they didn't just play it for laughs, which they did a little. But they, that's why then he investigates why she's there. Yeah, well, they so had to give him a purpose. It, it gave a reason for him to not trust her and to actually look into it, which I liked. And she was a weapons expert, and that's why she was bringing on board the torpedoes. Yeah. Now, one thing I did, she, she wasn't bringing them. On. Well, she wasn't bringing them on, but she was there to look at them, right? Yeah. She mentioned Chapel. Was Chapel like I don't remember? Do we see Chapel in the last one? No, we don't see Chapel. She is mentioned in the first one, and now she's a nurse, which makes sense because well, no, she was mentioned as Nurse Chapel in the first one. Yeah, because I believe here they mentioned that she has moved out, like gone to another ship. She was on the Enterprise. We just didn't see her. Yeah, because he says like McCoy says, Chapel, get me something. Okay, in the in the uh, in the first one. Do you know the reference, Kelly? Yes. Okay. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Well, just to fill in Kelly and the viewers that may not know. Nurse uh, Chapel first of all, I know played by exactly who Barrett. she is. Second of all, we don't have viewers. We have listeners. That's oh, I'm true. sorry. I'm sorry. The I forgot. You know, I actually forgot that it was Major Barrett. It was Major Barrett in the original. Yeah. You know who Major Barrett is? Guys. Yes, clearly. Who is, she? who is she? The girl. Uh huh. With Chapel. No. Well, I mean, yes, but she is Chapel. Anyway, right, that's she, what I said. She married Gene Roddenberry, who created this little series called Star Trek, which we are now t- discussing. Yes, and she was that also, for most iterations, she was the voice of the computer. Yes, she was. And ex- she was actually the voice of the computer in 2009. That was the last work that she did before she died. That's right. I, I, you know, I couldn't remember if she'd done it or not, because I remember while well, I was watching yesterday, I'm like, sounds like her. Her voice was sort of synthesized, though, not to the same sort of extent. Like, it was more, you couldn't, 
You couldn't tell as clearly that it was Majel Barrett in 2009 Star Trek. No. As you could in the uh, Next Generation Voyager or Deep Space Nine. Okay. Uh, so anyway, anyway, getting back onto the oh, main plot. Actually, an- another important element happens there. Uh, Scotty uh, resigns. Yeah, that's right. Because Scotty refuses to bring the torpedoes on board or sign over the torpedoes because he doesn't know what is inside them or how they work, and he wanted the specs before he would allow I, them on a ship. I did like that. It showed him like acting like an engineer. Like, I don't think that this is safe, and I will not stand by and let this happen because it's an unsafe, unless I know what, what's in it. And I yeah. actually really like that. I think it's fair. I think he, like, as a chief engineer, you would want to know what you're bringing on board. And yeah, and he's I good. I think he was in his right to do it. And yeah, he's good at what he does, and he's he, know, he knows that he needs to have faith in something, and he doesn't like what's going on around him. And again, isn't he the one who says, you know, like, what are, are we... You know, are we a, a military operation or are we explorers? Yeah, no, he's 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 opposed to the mission as well as Spock is, and he mentions that to Kirk as well that he doesn't like the, where this is going. Yeah, um, and then basically Kirk tells Scotty, either sign for it or it's a, that's it, right? So Scotty decides he's going to leave the ship. Yeah, and Scotty um, really didn't think he'd let it happen. Like you could see that he was like hoping that Kirk would change his mind. Yeah, no, he was, and Kirk didn't. He held I his guns. Did like that they gave him because in the first one it didn't seem like Scotty had much of a spine, so to speak. But it, it did give him a little bit of that, like no, like I stand up for my principles. And I like that yeah, about. Well, the Scotty didn't have that much of a role in the first one. Really. No, he it didn't. Was pretty minor, but but he again he didn't. He got a little bit more action in this one, which was nice to see. Yes, he did. Even though he's yeah, he's a bit of a different Scotty, but that was a. And so because he's out of engineering... We and have... he took the little guy with him, with a Kessler, because for some reason that guy just follows Scotty around like a little puppy. Yeah, that was that part's a little weird. Yeah, it was stupid. He should have taken over. If he, like, I don't even... What's what's his rank? What's his position? What does he do? <laughs> he does work for Starfleet. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's got a uniform on, but is he like assistant engineer? Like assistant He's a sidekick. Chief? Yeah, he's a sidekick, exactly, which is terrible. Like, so, at least give him a friggin' like, something. Like, just because you don't know his something doesn't mean he has... I'm sure one. they probably explained something in a comic somewhere, but... <laughs> Seriously, I mean, the guy's got nothing. Like, he could be the star of his own. We, we don't have time to explain who every single character is. Yeah, but the they guy give on him the bridge with something. the thing on his head. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah, he was some the sort of android. Who sits we don't know. Down but... In Chekhov's seat or something, and looks like a man. I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, what up? Does I, it matter? I really no. didn't know if that was a man or a woman. They're minor characters. Moving along. Uh, well, I like pretty much uh, like Scotty's dog. Okay, yeah. so anyway, that's we'll fine. I, I did like when Kirk was like, you know, Chekhov put on a red shirt, and I'm like, don't put on a red shirt. Yeah, well, Chekhov sort of goes hesitates, and then, oh god, I got to put on the red shirt. Which I kind of like that. There's that kind of you know, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but I, I like mean, that they go on. Okay, we're going back to the the main plot. Yeah. So Kirk decides instead of bombing this or sending a torpedo to kill, um, we'll just call him Khan. Because um, I've forgotten his other Cumber name. Cumberbatch? Yeah, sure. Uh, to kill him, he decides we're going to send a small team. We're going to go get him and bring him back on ship. And he can be tried as a criminal um, instead of just killing him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the away team is all incognito. And he tells the guys, take off those red shirts. Which I thought was enjoyable. Yeah, yes. that's it. Uh, and uh, did you guys lives. catch the reference that uh, the, the ship that they were using to head to Kronos was uh, Mud's sh- confiscated ship? No, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's what uh, Sulu says. Um, I heard have, something about that. Have uh, Mud's uh, transport ready for... Uh, it, uh, who's a Mud? Mud is a, is a, a character from the original series. Who's oh, okay. Well, Harry well, Mud. He sold uh, Tribbles to... Uh, yeah. It, to Ahura. Well, you know, I guess that makes sense why they have the Tribble on board then. Well, there was a Tribble in 2009 as well. Was there? Yeah, in Scotty's... Because they're adorable. But they are. They're there for me. In Scotty's uh, <laughs> Starfleet base there, which is weird. Again, there's a Starfleet base on a friggin' ice planet, and only Scotty and this little dude, his little dog, 
are, are there by themselves with no support and a crappy shuttle transporter that they can mm. use to transport halfway across the galaxy. Because the transporters in these movies are really amazing. They have they can be supreme range, be. like supreme range, or they don't work when they're it's not convenient, mm. and it, what's that? And they create tons of plot holes. Okay. Anyway, what's that? So they board Mud's transport. Okay. Which uh, oddly has the shape of the Millennium Falcon a little bit. A little bit. Like it's sort of what's that? If you just stuck the little cockpit off the side, <laughs> it was pretty much the Millennium Falcon. It was kind of spherical in that way. Yeah, it, it reminded me of that for sure. So they go down to Kronos, which an abandoned provincial area of Kronos, which is interesting that a homeworld would still have an abandoned spot. Well, I mean, it's a big planet. Look at we have places like that on Earth. True. I, I was expecting a little bit. There's seemingly a lot of stuff made, like a lot of structures there, though. I wasn't expecting. But they called that. it ruins. They did call it ruins. In fairness, yeah. So they basically end up there. They get pursued by the Klingons, and then they yeah, they touch which is down. kind of funny. It was, it was like a random patrol that just happened to go by. So they, they well, it makes sense that they down. would find sensors and they would find them. I guess so. It's a, but if, I, if it's I your pers- homeworld, like that's the one thing about uh, in Earth. It seemed like there was no real planetary security. Like you'd think that there'd be some sort of yeah. Like, the, the cost, especially with a star, the, like a the, starship is is hurtling. To, like, I'm, I'm jumping ahead to the ending, but I mean a starship is like hurtling towards the Earth. There's no planetary defense system. There's no Star Wars, so to speak, from the Reagan era. There's nothing. Like you think if you've been building up and you have spaceships and you have all this this technology, wouldn't you want to have some sort of defense system? To be fair, do you remember uh, Jupiter's defense system in uh, the Best of Both Worlds? Three little ships. I went. Pew, 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 I'm done. So I don't know. You know, like yeah. But if it's if it's your prime, I mean, like the Starfleet's primary like headquarters is Earth, is on Earth. So you'd think that they'd have a little bit more built up. Yeah, you'd think the cops' response time would be a little bit faster than coming after because there was like those three like police vehicles or whatever. That I'm okay with more than having a like a planetary defense. I'm talking like something around the perimeter of the planet to monitor. Yeah, it's good. Let's move on because it, Star yeah. Trek's always had that sort of gap in it. Like it's true, it's, it's, a, it's always sort of been there. Like it, it's so, they, they're on Kronos. They, now we have the the first look at the, the the different Klingons, slightly modified. Yeah, I didn't like the new look of the Klingons. What do you think, Kelly? They didn't quite look like Worf anymore. Nope, I'm okay with it. You're okay with it? Yeah. I personally didn't like the piercings, like through the the ridges. I thought that was a little bit weird. Well, it could just be that guy's personal preference. True, yeah. To be fair, we only see really the one Klingon. We only saw helmet, the one right? Klingon without the helmet, yeah. Because the other Klingons have helmets on. I did like the idea that they, you know, they had full armor on and the helmets. I mean, I don't care if it's just slightly different. Yeah, it didn't bug me so much the, the outfits, which, uh, but I, I personally didn't like that look of the Klingon. Like, although that does remind me that it did seem like in this in this movie they had so many variations on the Star Trek on the Starfleet uniforms. Like, I, yeah, I, if you really counted up how many, like, especially like at the end. You have um, Bones is wearing like the white. Like, where, where did he get that from? Well, they, to be fair, they were like on Earth at that point. Okay, like. but it just seemed like there was a lot of different variations. Yeah, they changed up the uniforms, which I'm okay with. I don't really care if it's good. It just, the I, only thing that bothered me a little bit were the wetsuits from the opening sequence. They looked a bit ridiculous. Like, eh. and like, yeah, I actually oh. didn't mind that as much because it reminded me of Star Trek One, like that kind of the blue. It kind of reminded yeah, me I of guess. old, and I felt like that's what they're going for there. I, and that's why I didn't mind that one. I felt like that was a throwback to the motion picture. And uh, if that's the only throwback you have to the motion picture, I'm fine with it. The why was Uhura suit primarily all red and then with silver accents, whereas uh, McCoy and and Kirk's suit were silver with yellow accents? Shouldn't hers been silver with yes. yellow, red accents? They wanted to make it look hotter in red. Oh, yeah. It was just right, a Kelly? weird design choice. Yes. Yes. 
All right, and then so then uh, we're on Kronos. You have them confronting the Klingons, and in comes Harrison. With yeah, a which crazy we're... machine gun. No, uh, okay. So basically, the, the the Klingons tell them land, and we're going to discuss this sort of thing. And Uhura is the only one that speaks Klingon. So for some reason, they send Uhura out unarmed to talk to the Klingons, which I thought was a bit weird. Like I would have thought that one person would have gone mm. with her. That being said, I like that she still had like didn't she? She she still like, kicked him and like she still got in. Yeah, no, she got a couple shots in. I like that they, they didn't use her in any way, really, like a distress, like a damsel in distress. Actually, no, she's and the fact that some, she, uh... you know they they allowed her to take the lead there because old school Kirk would never have allowed that. No, to be fair though, but old school Kirk lived in a different time. <laughs> Even if he lived in whatever time, this made-up time, like, the series is... 23rd century. Yeah. Fine. My point is, it was developed in a time where women didn't have the yeah, same... Yeah, no, there's stronger no, female characters true. in this, which I, okay. I which I like. And I, I, I do like that Ahura is a stronger female character. Though, face-to-face with 12 Klingons, you I may might... want to have somebody else escort her out. I'm just saying, like, for security. I purposes. guess that they were worried that, they're, that they might look at... And... They were trying to make it look like... It yeah, actually is a little bit. Peace. It's kind of reverse sexist in some ways because they're trying to show that if the guys jumped out there, they might take it more of as an act of aggression. Yeah, and I guess so. Whereas somehow a woman couldn't possibly be aggressive. Whereas to the Klingons, women are just as aggressive. True. Yeah. Exactly. Which is kind of funny. Like we've seen that all throughout Star Trek. There have been some really badass Klingon chicks. And to be fair, I don't know about Michael. Like I'm, I'm not that versed in Klingon, but I would say uh, I hope that they went with proper Klingon there. I don't know though. I hope someone. Uh, yeah. I'm. I know, I'm sure someone's got it out there that that was either. Correct I feel or like not they correct. must have used it. Correct. I, I hope so. I just hope. so. I don't think anyone's stupid enough to because they know the people. They were stupid enough it. to put the Enterprise in an ocean. <laughs> just, just let saying. it go. No, I'm not letting go. Um. So we have so we have Harrison or Khan. Um, he's he pretty shows ra- up. We don't know who he is though at this point. No, he's pretty bad. Or well, at least the crew doesn't know who he is. Yeah, and he starts dismantling the entire Klingon. Uh, pew pew pew. Yeah, yeah Kelly actually. Did. <laughs> there was a little bit of pew 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 action with those uh, phasers that shoot those little bullet bolts. You know, uh, as a general aside, I mean, I'm glad. Yes, there was a fair bit of action here, but not as much as the trailers made me feel like it was going to be. Yeah, no, that was one of my concerns when going into it, was I figured it was going to be just a total action romp with, like, nonstop. But, but it wasn't. But it slowed down at moments, which I thought was great, which you don't see that much anymore in film. No. Which, like, which it, did... is, it had some nice character moments, which was good, and saved the movie for me, because, uh, like, it was just going to be an action romp, I was going to be upset. Yeah. So. so I mean, they. Uh, I guess. So Harrison dismantles everybody, and then he then he surrenders. Then he surrenders because he knows it's for going unknown on. reasons at this point. But, it. but he does mention the torpedoes because they had. Uh, they had con- before the away team leaves. Yeah. They put Sulu in charge. Right. We forgot this part. And they make him uh, send a message saying, "We want you to surrender. We're coming to get you." Play nice, or we're going to shoot these torpedoes at you. Seventy-two torpedoes. I think, well, he didn't say that, but 70. it was seventy-two. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he didn't say that. He just said we've got these torpedoes that was locked onto question. your location. How many are there? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So then so, he says he's got seventy-two reasons to surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes more sense by then, uh, by the end of the movie, because we know what. That well, means. we find out. Yeah. Yeah. So he surrenders. They take him back to the ship. They are skeptical, obviously, because this guy. Just kicked well, yeah. ass and then surrendered. Yeah, he so just lays down. Arms. Obviously, they know something's up. Um, so they're investigating. They send McCoy is, in. Yeah, to run some tests on. Now, him. my problem there was that I can't actually remember exactly when it took place, but there was the. I, I apologize. I can't remember when it took place. Um, I think it is later, but when. Um, oh, what's her name? The girl. The Carol Marcus. Girl. Carol Marcus. When they have her stripped down. 
It felt so forced. Oh, absolutely. Let's yeah, show her in her of... underwear. Like, really? I mean, thanks? Can I just point out yes. that my co-hosts are complaining about the girl in her underwear? No, no. That's I all just... I'm saying. Just I'm... that you're complaining about them putting a half-naked girl in a movie. I felt like That's it was more all? forced than in any other... Like, in the first one, they yeah, had the half-naked girl. It was just there to girl. have her stripped down. In the first what? one, they had the half-naked uh, Orion. Well, not slave girl in this one, but... I mean, at least then, it felt more like part of the story, but this was more like... There was no reason for it. Right. It was just for like just let's let's get it in there. But that's later on anyway. So it let's, is later let's on. get back to it is later on. So Harrison's on board. He's in the brig, which yeah. was a pretty cool set. I have to admit, like I, I enjoyed the brig. It was kind of an interesting idea to have the glass yeah. window with that device that could open the glass window for some reason. Yeah, and that was cool. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm st- I prefer force fields, but it worked. Well, and I guess they, was, did it, they, did it, they not have force fields yet. I don't know. If they well, do. they did. I think like because in the first one, I believe in the Calvin one. There's a hull breach. The, the chick goes out the... Uh, the crewman, she goes flying out oh, the yeah. window, and then the force field kicks in. Okay. So... Because I don't think we've seen it anywhere else. No, to be fair, I don't think we have, other than that one shot. Because there's a lot of people falling out of things. Yeah. And a force field would... And there was no force that. field in the hull breach. At least that we didn't see one activate on the, on the, on the Enterprise, which is later on. But sure. anyway, uh, so yeah. So they take a sample... McCoy takes a sample of uh, Harris's blood... Yeah, and because uh, they want to figure out why he's so powerful, why he's a superhuman, and then um, when he said his name was Khan, did your teeth clench? Like I was, well, I mean, I, like there's been so many rumors about it that I was like, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> like we were all right. Yeah, it, we knew it was Khan. I mean, I don't know why they tried to hide it so much. Like they're trying to hide the surprise, I guess. But yeah, because really, I mean, the surprise is really only for those who know anyway. Because for anyone else, like yeah, that's true. You if you haven't you seen, care. like, if it, you only saw two thousand and nine, you had no. yeah, you'd be like, okay, his name is Khan. What does this mean to me? Nothing. Like Kelly, if you hadn't seen, you know, if we hadn't made you watch Star Trek two at one point, which is the Wrath of Khan, yeah. would you really have known who Khan was? No, no. So it it really is only for us, but we already kind of felt that way anyway. So why would they keep protesting it so much? Just yeah, to- I mean, it, and the reveal wasn't anything like I, I didn't feel like, oh, it's Khan. Like it was just sort of. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I mean... It, it totally makes sense. Cause off that's topic, but I was more surprised by the reveal of the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. I didn't like the reveal, but that was more of like a whoa. Didn't really see that coming. To reference back to Iron Man 3, they Spoilers. shit on the Mandarin. Hey! Okay, Kelly has not seen Iron Man 3, so we'll leave it alone. But anyway, it was good. they shit on the Mandarin, but they did <laughs> shit on Khan. No, which they, I thought was good. They gave Khan a lot of respect. In fact, probably more than we ever really saw originally. Because in the original series, like we, 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 we he didn't get to do a lot. It was part of the limitations of, of TV yeah, and, I guess. and of effects at the time. You couldn't really have him be the Superman that they talked about him being. And by the time they made Wrath of Khan, he was old. So they couldn't do it the same way. Whereas here we get to see Khan in his prime yeah, that's true. actually kicking ass. And I thought it was interesting. Like, I've never watched Sherlock, but I know that you know Cumberbatch is, is a hero. And he, people are used to seeing him as a very heroic character. And not being as physical a threat as he is here either. But you buy into it. And you yeah. believe it? No, I, I thought he played it well. I, he was a good. And, he was, and when he needed, and, and he's I, got the menacing voice for it. He does, fun. and I also like that they played up the savagery. Like he isn't just cunning and brilliant and super strong, but he, when he needs to be, he can be a brutal savage. Yeah, yeah, it worked. And when he beats the crap out of people, like you really feel like he does that. And like, no, well, I'm skipping, getting way ahead of myself. Yeah. So from here, we uh, what happens after this? We find out what's in the tubes, right? In the torpedoes. Yes. Because he tells them. The plot that uh, like happened obviously before the film, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, uh, it was Admiral Marcus that finds the Botany Bay. I'm assuming 
they yeah. don't actually but first we the find like they figure out what's in them before he says it yeah they, they accidentally they yeah. go to try and figure out what's in them oh yeah and that, that, that's what prompts Kirk to be like what the hell is going on here Right, that's right. So it's good. He says to basically check the torpedoes, yeah. and that's when yeah uh, he says check the torpedoes. Kirk says we got to check them. So they send they send down uh, McCoy, McCoy, and Carol Marcus. And at this point, this is when we find out. Well, we already knew, but this is when Kirk finds out that she's Carol Marcus and not Carol Wallace because Spock had found out earlier um, and hadn't told Kirk yeah, he until it became it. relevant. And now it has, <laughs> yeah. which I thought so was so. And she's a weapons expert, which is kind yeah. of interesting because in Star Trek Two, she was creating something that wasn't a weapon, but could use, that could but be could used use as a weapon. weapon. I was, and she was very much against it being a weapon. I was very curious if they were going to mention Genesis. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, no, they shouldn't have because it wouldn't have worked here. At all. I do like that. Yeah, I mean, but it is kind of interesting that they changed her character to be a weapons expert, even though she well, and she wasn't even in Starfleet. To be fair, in the in. No. Oh, that's she was right. just a scientist. Well, who knows what uh, the Romulan ship entering space, you know, 25 years earlier right. did, right? So they go down to <laughs> try and find out what's in these torpedoes. Yeah, because they, they went down to the planetoid because they were afraid that the torpedo could go off. No, they're still losing on space at this point. No, well, they're outside the neutral zone. Are they out? I yeah, because what we forgot out. was when they got, uh, when they were heading to Kronos, they were going to park the ship, like, right in orbit of yeah. Kronos, but something, there's a failure... In the warp it board, yes, which uh, throws and, them out of warp. And at this early. point, Chekhov is still an engineer, so they're either in the neutral zone or just outside the. neutral I thought zone. they were still out of it because I, I think they that was are the because that then uh, yeah the whole point was that they were supposed to have invaded space and bombed if if Marcus's plan had gone through. Yeah, so something went wrong. Well, no, that's if the plan had gone through. That's not even getting too far ahead. So anyway, Marcus's plan. Okay, sorry. So, anyways, they go on like they're. I believe they're out just outside of the neutral zone. Okay. If I remember correctly. And they beam down the, to the planetoid to check out this torpedo, and it turns out there's a person inside. Dun, dun, dun. Which is the, obviously, <laughs> it's a cryotube, and yeah. it's the uh, eugenics wars, which is it's what it's referring to, mm-hmm. and Khan's crew. And then they come back on board, and they go back to talk to Khan as to what the hell is going on, why are there people in these torpedoes. And now we find out it really is Khan, and... I, I like that they still like the backstory hasn't changed. But it's just things have happened at a different time. Yeah, they played out differently. Obviously. And I and I, I really like that actually. I, I I was against the idea of cons because I felt like they could do other things. And this is a new universe, and why not do new things? But I give them credit for doing new things with con. They put new energy into it. It yeah, wasn't they, a, it wasn't a retry. it wasn't a complete rehash. No, there were a certain moments that were rehashed, but it was a, it wasn't a complete rehash. It was just like you know what? If it reminded me of. Uh, a long-running uh, series at Marvel Comics was What If? And it was taking classic events that happened in, hi- in comic book history and True. just saying, what if this happened a little differently? It sort of feels like that in a way. This so, is sort of the what if... Uh, yeah, so this is what you know. What if someone else found Khan? Yeah. You know, what, if Kurt, what if Admiral Marcus found Khan instead of you know Kirk? Well, and then, so now let's get back to that because this is where Khan lays out the whole backstory as to he was found by uh, Marcus, Admiral Marcus. Yep. And the reason Admiral Marcus was looking for him was directly related to the events of 2009, the Vulcans being destroyed, mm-hmm. um, you know, Earth almost being destroyed, and obviously he's the head of Starfleet at this point, yep. and he feels that military actions are needed, and sort of, uh, say, more of a militaristic federate, or Starfleet is needed mm-hmm. to protect the planet. So he wanted to find Khan to have him help 
Didn't they say he just stumbled across them, though? Like, wasn't he not looking for them? And then they find them and... He did stumble across. He wasn't looking for them, but never... once oh, he found them... Oh, is that him, what they said? I, can't... Yeah, I he... thought he went out looking for them. No, no he wasn't he... looking for them. He wasn't looking for them. He... he found them. But once he found them, he decided to utilize him for oh, okay. weaponry and tactics. And, and tech... yeah. yeah, I mean... Now, did they say for sure that he found him after the events of the last movie, though? Or is it just... It could have just been he found him at some point. Does it matter? Yeah, um, I don't think it really matters. They didn't it only matters because much. he did a lot in a very yeah. short time span. That's true. Because they do because they, they show us the years, and it was one year after the first movie. That's the only reason I bring it up because Tibor had mentioned off podcast about it seemed really fast for them to build such a huge ship, which we should get to now because yeah. at this point he says to Kirk, "Check out these coordinates, yes. and you'll find out what's going on." So then we have Scotty. So he, he relays this information to Scotty, who's on Earth still. Now here's a question: Which happened before what you just How? said? These are all over the place. I know, sorry. Well, okay. one thing that, that that the thing that bugged me about that is we have Scotty. Basically, it looks like he's on Earth. Yeah. So how like that's a really long range. But he says it's near Earth. Apparently, is... Jupiter is near no, no, Earth. No, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the fact that oh, that he uses Kirk, a handheld communicator. Kirk is on the Enterprise, and he's really far away. He's on the fringe of Federation space. Maybe he's with Rogers. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, that's only for Canadians, by the way. Oh, People I mean, in Canada have no to, idea. To be fair, what's, what's the other? one? Can you hear me now? Maybe he's with that guy. I don't know. Was that T-Mobile? T-Mobile? I don't have no idea. Virgin. Virgin. I don't know. Insert name of best network here. Okay, we're good. <laughs> uh, to be fair, what's the, the handheld communicator could have been patched through the ships. Yeah, but even then, like, that's, yeah. that's a really long distance call. Yeah, no, yes. but I mean, it, like, subspace is always. Yeah, but through. usually they send like these messages and they go through subspace, but they're not like always. Like, do you usually well, have to be relatively... Plus, how do you know he was on yes, Earth? Yes, yeah, but not to that... I'm just saying, that's a really long way of communication. I mean, yeah, okay. And, the, and their communications aren't as sophisticated at this point in time as they are in, like, TNG and Voyager, where they have much better communication systems. I'm just saying that part bugged me a little. Okay, it didn't He's sitting in a much. nightclub, and he gets a call from across the system. Anyway. Yeah, well, and nobody else intercepts it, like, or anything. What's well, it? to be fair, who would be looking for it to intercept it? I guess, was it Admiral Marcus, maybe? Because yeah, because Marcus hadn't on. left Marcus hadn't left yet, right? Uh, well, yeah, we're, no, he couldn't have, because the ship didn't die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so what we find out from the coordinates is, yes. which he gives to Scotty and tells Scotty to go check out, which is by Jupiter. Which I'm surprised Scotty did in some ways. Because, well, like, I mean, Scotty's a loyal guy, but at the same time, like, he did... He didn't get fired, but they definitely goaded him to quitting. And he's like, "Yeah, I'll do this favor." But at some time, they kind well, of he say was that, sort of upset. What, about else, it. what else is he going to do? Yeah, and him and his, you know, his dog. Yeah, his sidekick dog. His sidekick basically agree with him. Like, what else are you doing? Well, where did the dog go? The dog didn't come with him. Which dog? I mean, not his actual dog. Oh, no, the dude si- was there anyway. They sidekick. Go- oh yeah, that's true. Where he was ditched he? the sidekick and then went on this it mission. It was a one man shuttle. I'm just saying, it felt like that 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 sidekick has gone everywhere with him. He didn't come with him this time? He's like, no, no. This time, you're staying home. Yeah. Maybe he didn't have his radio really, shot. He really is a dog at this point. Stay. Well, anyway, so we get, go, uh, Scotty goes to Jupiter, and it turns out... Sorry, that a- sounds like it's a fun adventure right there. <laughs> it could be its own movie. Um, Scotty goes to Jupiter, and we find a platform, what's that, uh, and which sh- we should have seen in the first one. Sorry, and where did he get a shuttle from, and how is he able to go straight to Jupiter pretty fast. Listen, what's it? These are I'm things, surprised I'm picking this stuff up. These are up. things that we don't have to time to explain because what's it? Why should we write that in? Because it doesn't yeah. matter. Okay. That's how these writers think. They don't care about explaining that kind of stuff. Too bad it wasn't Mars because then it could have been Shades of Total Recall right there. <laughs> anyway, so they get to the this platform and there's this massive ship being built inside. Uh, which is... Actually, did they, they mention the ship's name in the movie? No. They said it was a Dreadnought class. That's about it. 
Because I think they may have said Vengeance once because of, okay. it is the USS Vengeance. Okay. Which I guess technically, yeah. Have we ever seen a Dreadnought class before? I believe there is a Dreadnought class, but I don't remember exactly what's it. Or what's I don't think it's like in universe. I think it might be an expanded universe thing. Because I, I feel like I, yeah, I don't know. Because I'm used to Galaxy Constellation. What else? Well, anyway, this is basically a warship. Let's yes. Say, that's uh, very unstarfleet like. Yeah. As we know, it's a the Defiant was. A, put into mothballs because it was a battleship yeah. although it did kind of i mean it, it we only got a few really good shots we didn't see a lot of good shots of it it did remind me of the uh you know the enterprise d when it was a warship yeah in, no well in, i mean in, it, in enterprise it was very much in like the like enterprise sort of style like with a saucer you know two nacelles and everything but it was huge it was like four times the size of the yeah, enterprise did they say it was it was a four times or three well, i don't know but it, they it, did say exactly like, like it, it's, it's huge massive. it's massive and, and it's armed to the teeth and it needs a minimal crew it's designed for war basically yeah so obviously admiral marcus has has put this thing in the production again what's that i don't know like starfleet is sort of wishy-washy in this universe because there doesn't seem to be a real hierarchy and as to who's accountable to who, because mm-hmm. uh, he's head of Starfleet, so he can do whatever he wants, I guess. It's well, a, I mean, he does uh, mention that Section Thirty One was behind the torpedoes, yeah, and I'm assuming that they're also behind this. And Section Thirty One is a call out to what DS Nine. True, though it's a, this isn't Section Thirty One that we know from that universe. It's because it was created, or well, he says it was created to, to yeah. do this project, right? It was like they're like a covert ops. A, qu- a, a, a quick side note. What's the name of the organization that polices time? The uh, temporal uh, temporal is variant authority. No, I'm, I'm thinking comics. So that, that's the problem. I have a lot of comic book ones in my head. There's the TV. There's something. Temp- they're temporal. Um, okay. Oh man, I know this too. It's good. Uh, I'll get. Yeah, I'll get to it. It's good. Okay, I was just curious because I, I always mix up. I got because th- in Deep Space Nine they mention it when the the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Yeah, trials and tribulations. Anyways, it's not important. Uh, so moving on from there, so we get the big kind of showdown. We we know that Marcus is a bad guy, <laughs> and he's going to kill Kirk and his crew. Yeah, well, at this point, what's up, the Kelly? You want to chime in here? What's up? They uh, the, they discover the ship, and then I think they figure out that they're being set up. Yeah, right? and, and he wants Khan back, basically. Or he doesn't he want Khan? Or he was trying to get a transport. He's trying to destroy Khan? him. Yeah, and they won't tell him where Khan is. So yeah. Marcus shows up. Yes, because they. Ahura sends a message saying, hey, just so you know, we got this prisoner, we're coming back. And Marcus realizes we can't let this happen, so yes. he comes after him. They intercept him with with the dreadnought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they say, great, you know, thanks for... <laughs> Marcus says, thanks for getting him. Let me know where he is. I'm going to I'm gonna take him now. Yeah. But Kirk's not stupid. No. So. Oh. And that leads to basically to a firefight, does it not? Yeah, the Enterprise gets pretty heavily damaged. And then, yeah, uh, they try and warp away from him. Well, at that point, the warp core was was damaged too, right? Yeah. A, yeah. They still, which we never really found out. Was that sabotaged? or? It seems like it, because everyone seemed yeah. to know about it. So it sounds like yes. Like that's the sort of what they implied, but they never really fully Revealed concluded that that's what it was. No, they never showed how it really was sabotaged. Like, but that could have been the kind Scotty of did floor. say that those torpedoes, he didn't know what they had in them, they could interfere with the warp core. Yeah, he did so, say that, but I don't think... I think the assumption was that they wouldn't have. There were just people inside them, right? Like They well, obviously still had bombs in them. Yeah. Like, yeah, they weren't no, just they, people. True. They end up... Spoiler, they explode. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, they weren't just... 
people. Mm-hmm. They were also still torpedoes. So Carol Marcus, at this point uh, in the, in the storyline, so she tries to get them to stop revealing her existence on the ship to her dad. Her dad ports her off. So yeah, he transports to, her. So away. there's nothing to stop them. And then how do they? Sh- oh, then we find out that that Scotty's on the other ship. Yeah, which we sort of assumed. Like, I'd well, forgot Kirk about first, him to be honest. Kirk tries to bargain for his uh, crew. Yes, he says, "I'll give you Khan. Just save my crew. It's not their fault. They were following orders." You know, he's trying to sacrifice. And himself. he did record that, right? He even said, like, he was recording that. Yeah, he broadcast the whole ship. Yeah, yeah. So everyone right. knows. And, everyone knows Marcus is bad. And it's bad recorded, now. so if he ever gets called on the carpet for it, he could be like, "Well, I have this recording." Yeah. Uh, so Marcus says, "Basically, screw you," and he's about to destroy the ship. When all their engines and systems and weapons are shut down from because Scotty reboots the computer, yeah, Scotty, Scotty hits a reboot. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty awesome. Which at that point, then, what's it? Uh, they don't have transporters anymore because the ship is busted up again. Mm-hmm. Conveniently, they're not working. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> that leads into the sequence of having to get Khan and Kirk onto the USS Vengeance. And I actually really love that sequence. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. It was. It's kind of an interesting concept. They got to get from one ship to another, so they're gonna. Basically, blast out and yeah, go through fly all this, out an airlock and all this d- debris in the middle, and then get into the opposing airlock. And I actually thought that was really kind of a cool sequence. And also, I like Khan and, and uh, Kirk teaming up because, again, you don't ever expect that because you're used to them being mortal enemies. I've, if you know anything about the, the original series, like they are the mortal enemies because of what right. happens with Kirk and his son and Khan. So, I mean, here we get to see them teaming up, and they don't trust each other, but they have to kind of rely upon one another to survive. Yeah, and of course, some piece of debris has to hit Kirk's helmet so that it starts cracking and it's ah, suspense. Didn't care. I liked it. it yeah, was... I mean, they could have done without that. Like, they always seem to have to build more suspense onto suspense, you know? Like, it's already, like, a difficult, like, procedure. And even Spock says, that, you know, Captain Kirk, that's impossible. You know, mathematically impossible. So, But you're going to do it anyway because you have to get to the ship. Yeah. So, you know, they could have not taken out his visor and made it so impossible. Being but what anyway. it is. Yeah, but then on the other hand, if they didn't, one of you would have been like, oh, all that debris floating and you didn't even hit anything. What are the chances you get through without hitting anything? I would have, like, I would have rather that. You would have, like, you would have. One of you would have said that point. So they like, either have to show something or they don't. I like this because it made sense. Like, there is debris. You've just taken a lot of hits. There's stuff yeah, out there. They shot him through a debris field. He's going to get hit. Yeah, that's good. And I like that they have the, he has the, the rocket thrusters but it also, on it. Like, it Scotty, just, the, Scotty just took down all the power. It also it. leads to the teamwork because when Kirk's visor goes out and he can't, he's flying blind. And then Khan, Khan has to help him. him. Yeah. So though they could have like maybe have gotten the transporters to work and just beam over, but that would uh, be too simple. Yeah. Well, you know, what? I'm okay with it because <laughs> the movie that you're drafting in your head is really short. Like, you just <laughs> take out all the stuff you don't like. And well, no, but I mean, there's, there's the movie. You know, they set up these elaborate action sequences. That's Sometimes and they take it too far, is all I'm saying. It is movies, though. This comes it from is someone movies, who I loves guess. Bond. Just saying. Because wow. those action sequences are ridiculous. Yeah, but that's what you expect from Bond. That's what I expect from Star Trek. Okay, well... well that being said, you haven't seen as many Star Trek movies. Yeah, I've seen all of them. Have you? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> well, for that comment, we'll have to take you back to the motion picture and start you. And then the you will, you will apologize for saying anything because the motion picture. It's all right, old man. We'll get you caught up. We'll catch no, you I'm up. good. Anyway, so Scotty opens the uh, the door on the other side, killing someone. Killing someone, yeah, it's and strapping himself in so he doesn't go flying out of the ship. That was fun. And uh, the two of them conveniently fly into this massively long hallway, which also so that they don't just run into. Well, a that wall. wasn't the only time that was convenient. <laughs> 
It was convenient. Yeah, there's a for, lot of conveniences. It was actually. also convenient for when later on. Uh, so they basically retake the ship. Yeah, and then at that point, uh, Kirk, well, Spock contacts New Vulcan. Yeah. So that we can force a scene with uh, Leonard Nimoy. Which I, it did feel a little. Okay, my main problem with it isn't so much that it happened, it was that it happened with everyone listening. I would rather he had been in like a writing room or something and he having an, like an own conference because other people shouldn't know that it's Spock, there's another Spock. Yeah, that's true. The whole thing was that they I don't mind it. there being another Spock. I don't mind them talking to each other. I don't mind him. It's a little, exp- you know. It- Wasn't he on the ship in the first one, though? No. No, he no. never goes on the ship because he's on the ice planet. At the very end, he comes to, I guess, Starfleet oh, or okay. somewhere. He does he- show up at Starfleet at the end, okay. but he, but he wasn't to- on the ship. He was never on the Enterprise. It's like, I don't mind him being there. I don't mind him having the conversation. Now, it is a little presumptuous of, of Spock to expect that older Spock would know anything about this character, but I, I don't mind him having the conversation. I don't think it's that forced. It just bugged me that... I thought it was unnecessary. Yeah? It just bugged me that everyone else was there. That bugged me more, because no yeah, one no, else it should have been a private conversation, I agree, and I just felt that, that it was forced. You, you thought it was forced too, Kelly? Yeah. What was really? the point? It was uh, unnecessary. It yeah, it was totally just to have Leonard just, Nimoy there. Well, yeah. it was also for viewers who haven't seen the the, the the old, you know, six movies and don't know about Khan. But it didn't it didn't reveal anything. They're like, oh, he's a really bad guy. It gives it a little bit more like of scope, and that it like, was, technically it was there for us, like for the the old time fans. I know, though it was forced, and I like my whole thing is Nimoy refused to do Generations mm. because. He said that Spock, you know, you could give those lines to anybody else and there was no purpose for Spock to be there. Yeah. I personally think there was no purpose for him to be here in this one. And I agree. Uh, I don't know. I still kind of liked it. I never agree with you more, but I agree. Okay. Anyway, I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it's a little forced, but I didn't mind. They did it because he was there in the first one. I like I liked the, the idea that he has an older version of himself to kind of lean that on. That he can call and be like, hey, um, remember that time when Khan happened? Uh, can you explain that to us? What, what happened there? Yeah. It, it was a bit forced. Anyway, we find out that they're mortal enemies, which we all know from Star Trek Two. If you're a big fan, and but if you're not a fan, you don't know that. At that point, we go back to the ship, and the three of them—it's Scotty, Kirk, and Khan—trying to take the ship. And at that point, Kirk realizes that uh, Khan has got some sort of ulterior motive. He figures. I think he knew all along. I don't think it was a realization, but well, he sort of thinks. Like, he tells he Scotty says it to, to Scotty. Drop He's like, I think, yeah, I think this guy's out, out to help himself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as soon as well, we get to the bridge, drop his ass. Which they did, and then he got up pretty. Well, quickly, yeah, because the sense. stun setting doesn't well, work they gave so well. Scotty, one job. They're like, make sure he doesn't get up. <laughs> and Scotty's all like paying attention to everything else in the room yeah. around him and not doing his job. The one thing there, I, I think, it was a little unnecessary to base. I mean, the illusion is made that uh, Khan pops the head of. Yeah, of Marcus. Like that was a little much. Like they don't show it, but you kind of hear it. And I thought it was cool. Yeah, so, really, and you were okay with that? Yeah. I thought that was excessive. And Carol, uh, Carol sees it. I'm okay with yeah. that. Father get toasted. It seemed like he really, really hit her too. Cause she screamed like a hell of a lot when he. Well, no, I believe he breaks her leg. Is that what he, he steps does? on her leg as he's going past. I wasn't her. sure exactly what had happened. Yeah, and she was clutching the kind of the lower area. But I was like, she's not pregnant, so she's not complaining about a baby. No, because when you when you see her um, come back. So anyway. Uh, um, yeah, he breaks her leg, I believe. Okay. And he takes the ship and uh, drops Kirk like a sack of tomatoes. Yes, And uh, he basically says to Spock, here's the deal. What's that? Uh, you want me to blow away your captain or you give me the torpedoes and uh, my people for mm-hmm. my crew, what's that? and I'll give you your crew. Yeah. And at that point, Spock uh, 
talks to Dr. McCoy and says, What's that? You can recreate that detonation well, already sequence. Yeah, he already set that up. There was no point. time for him to. He oh, okay. Well, that that he already he said that he, to. He, he, he specifically he, talks to McCoy about yeah. yeah, before this happens. Okay. When they go to the ship. And the implication, okay. the implication later on is that oh, he's already... that was in the same time when he was taking time to make a collect call to yeah. Spock and yes. New Vulcan. Um, okay. I wonder how much that call costs. <laughs> uh, anyway, so at that point, uh, they beam over the torpedoes yeah. with the assumption that Khan's uh, crew is in there, and they beam back Kirk. Mm-hmm. Carol Marcus and uh, Scotty. Yeah. And then and then Khan says, see you later. He's going to blow them up anyway. Yeah. Little does he know. And At that point. And all the torpedoes explode. Yeah. That's my torpedo and that's the exploding last, noises. And that's the last we see of him for a while. Yeah. Well, the ship is severely damaged from yeah. the inside. Yeah. That's it. And then Kirk says something along the lines of, I can't believe. Yeah, he can't believe that Spock would kill all those people. And then yeah. that's when McCoy reveals that all he the didn't. tubes are still yeah. are still aboard the Enterprise that he just sent the torpedoes. Now, at that point, is that when the Enterprise just starts falling over? No, again, to be fair, they took out those people out of those torpedoes pretty quickly. They did. 72 people. Well, they got a whole bunch of crew members running around that we don't know yeah, about. There's a bunch did. of red shirts that can do that work. Right? But that's Isn't what they're that for. Job? So anyways, but yeah, he, uh, McCoy specifically says he's not that cold-hearted and yeah. that he took them out and that they're all in uh, sickbay. And now we collapsed Earth, or I'm yeah. trying to remember. Yeah, the ship was damaged because Khan was shooting at them before That's right. his, the torpedoes explode. He was shooting at them. Yes. Uh, so there's a lot of damage. They lose stability, power, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Insert yep. random science jargon here. And then and they're well, the Enterprise gets caught in Earth's gravity and starts going down. Yes. So so, so, so there's a whole bunch of people running, running through the ship, and gravity's things. all screwed up. So they're I upside kinda like down. some of those sequences, like when they're uh, him, McCoy, uh, Kirk and McCoy are running through, and they're they're running on the side of the walls now. Yeah, because I, I, I like that. I mean, I like the you know they play with it and they showed like if the ship like they're which doesn't make a lot of sense in some ways because there's internal gravity, but I guess they're losing it in certain areas of the ship, right? Yeah, it's sort of I don't know how that would play out like scientifically exactly, but anyway, my 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 main complaint of that sequence is the uh, the weird um, decks like the, what's that the purpose of that that like uh, column in the center of the ship with all those bridges like going across? I'm not. Really it just sure. seems kind of stupid, like of a design to have, right? Like it's sort of weird. Yeah, it was just there for the sequence, but it's also like this is one of those things that like nitpicking things that I don't like. I didn't like the Budweiser engineering. And uh, stuff like that. The, it, the engineering looks a little bit like a brewery. It is a brewery. <laughs> Though in this, to be fair, what's that? that this one looks less like a they brewery. They need beer. This section like of the... Lenny. Romulan ale, my friend. This this uh, this section of the... Um, I believe it was done in some sort of uh, NASA laboratory or something. If okay. I, if I remember correctly reading it. So that the warp core area is, is a bit different than the overall engineering. Which okay. is the brewery. Interesting. But and yeah, then, so we have this whole elaborate sequence of the ship going basically down. Basically, it's about Kirk having to make the sacrifice to... Yeah, yeah, because the, the warp core is not stable. Yeah, so it's a... Uh, and so this he, is when you get major shades of of, yeah. of the second, of Wrath of Khan. It, it, it's almost word for word in a lot of ways. Like, it's a, uh, the, this, the sequence of Kirk getting to the uh, engine room, mm-hmm. Scotty being there, instead of... Before, it was Spock, so it was kind of like the what if. What if Kirk mm-hmm. sacrificed himself instead of Spock? Which he does. Yep. Um, and he, he knocks out Scotty instead of... Instead of Spock. Instead of uh, Spock knocking out McCoy. Yeah. Um, and he goes in there, he fixes everything, so they get power before the ship crashes into the ocean. 
mm-hmm. on uh, on Earth. And then you have the inverse of the end of Wrath of Khan with uh, Spock and Kirk having a moment. Yeah, it was in the opposite. Again, now, earlier they forced in the, uh, the, the needs, needs of the, the many, many outweigh the needs of the... I really would have liked to have seen You Have Been and Always Shall Be My Friend. That's it. Uh, like, they used it in 2009. you would No, I, I don't know. Like it, I would have felt it was forced. They used it in 2009 and it worked. I don't think they in needed... In 2009 it worked. The only thing that... Like, that Actually, that, you know what? I take it back. It wouldn't have been forced. If Kirk had said it, it would have made sense. Because Spock had said it to him, and so if exactly. Kirk said it to Spock, that's okay. why I, th- I would have liked to have seen that line. I rescind. I rescind my thinking. That was strange. I thought it would have been a nice like. Anyway, reversal. they have a little sad moment. They put, the, next they, put the, they put up their hands. They put up their hands against the glass. Oh, I heard someone. They say were something. super obnoxious. Oh, yeah. those people next to you. I heard them talking a bit, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, that's it. There's one. There's they a were few like lines going on and on. Really? Yeah, it was really obnoxious. So they weren't fans. They. I don't know. They were just. Well, the thing is, to be fair, the only thing that sort of cheapened Kirk's death was the fact that I knew death. he wasn't going to die. Yes. Because you could see it coming from a mile away that later on they're going to use Cosmo. Yeah, right? I agree. Because they referred to it three, four times at that point about the blood. Right? There was the triple yeah. injection. Yeah. What's that? Like the... No, I agree. I, I, that's part of what made Wrath of Khan so memorable is that it killed Spock. Yeah, and, 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 and at story. that point... They couldn't kill Kirk. So Why not? I agree they probably can't, but I mean, the point is, why even do it? J.J. Abrams wants a paycheck? Yes, but why even do it then? Like, it was still good. I know. We all knew he wasn't really dead. I know, but it, still, it, it, it does, does cheapen it. It does take bit. a... But they didn't know he wasn't really dead. You're forgetting that it was an important moment for the characters. We knew he wasn't really dead. You're Everyone right. else thought he was dead. Well, that being said... They it hadn't it, figured out that they could use it is, blood. It is an important character we moment. We figured it out. It is an important character moment for Kirk because yes. he sacrifices himself for his crew. Yeah. And takes responsibility. Yeah. And no, so it's true. For a character development, yeah. He okay. does get the full circle. You know, he learned everything that Pike wanted him to learn. Unfortunately, it took Pike's death to put him on the, the path to learn the lesson. But he still learned a lesson, which, is, again, so much better than the first one. He did not learn any lessons. Yeah, his arc in the first one, he doesn't learn much. That's true. Um, as much as I enjoyed that movie. Again, he, he it kind of learn. bugged me because I saw it coming from a mile away. So it's a... But the problem with that is that if we didn't see it coming... You would have been like, well, that came out of nowhere. That was convenient. She makes a good point. Like, you can't have it. You, it has to be one or the other. It's either telegraphed It's going to be they foreshadow it so that it doesn't feel like it's come out of nowhere. Or they just randomly like, hey, this blood can save him. And then you're like, that's fucking stupid. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> She's right. Okay, I so, guess. So, I mean, you have to... You have to... It'll be one or the other. Yeah. So, so, I mean, again... You would have said, oh, that's convenient. His blood regenerates cells. Like, I'm sort of 50-50 you know I mean? on the moment because, yeah, okay, it, it develops the character. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they did it because it was rehashing. It was the what if. And, like you said, like, did they have to kill Kirk? Like, they could have done it in a different way. So, I I'm sort, been, sort of 50-50 on I the scene. I would have loved it if they actually killed him. I, I think it would be more Sorry. effective. They can't do that. I know, but they're gonna the, make a bunch more of these movies. I know, but the, well, they're gonna make tons more money. They're not gonna kill the main character. I know, but I I, I know they won't do it. But it makes it more. But exciting. that is one of the things that, like, as a viewer, like again, I was too young. I wasn't alive when Star Trek Two came out, but I could imagine being in that theater and going, "Holy shit! They just killed Spock!" Mm. And like, because it very much was like, "This is over. Like that yeah. character is dead." Yeah. Right. Whereas this, you could see it coming from a mile away that he wasn't going to die. So I'm sort of fifty-fifty on the scene. Like it was, it was well acted. I, I like the way it, it played out. But 
you know, I could have done without it, like, in one way, because mm-hmm. it sort of is direct rehash. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm 50-50 on this. And this leads to basically having the final showdown, which I thought was interesting to not have it be Kirk, because usually Kirk's the one who gets the last moment. True. So, yeah. now we have Spock gets the last, like, So, they stabilize the ship, and then we've sort of forgotten about the, the USS Vengeance, Vengeance yeah. at this but, point, but now which comes, ship comes flying out. down out of nowhere. It's uh, almost hitting the Enterprise. Yeah. And uh, then... You, uh, he specifically says to the computer to take out San Francisco. Yeah, right. If well, he, he doesn't do it as well as he wanted because he wanted to well, hit the right ship. On, yeah, right? yeah. He wanted to hit Starfleet headquarters, but the ship was pretty bad. So he damaged. survives, tries to escape. Uh, they send down. Spock. Yeah, it crashes in an elaborate crash. I was okay with that. It was, yeah, it was, it, I'm okay with it. It was exciting, except that they couldn't beam him up. No. for some reason, even the though ship's still damaged. It's no, a damaged ship, they, and there's debris, and there's all sorts of but stuff. But they had full power there. restored. They had power, but not all systems. Like not all systems were operational. But then they were able to beam down Spock. They yeah. could beam down, but they couldn't beam up. What the hell is that about? You because can, they couldn't it's lock. One direction. They couldn't make a lock on. The yeah, sensors I, were damaged. So, but okay. Anyway, so there's this <laughs> elaborate sequence of Cumberbatch running away from Spock, which was cool. I mean, I really liked the the athleticism of that. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I could have done with something a little different, like the one-on-one, like, running through the thing or whatever. I liked it. I thought that was For fun. me, the biggest thing was the, the transporter. Like, it, So they're saying, oh, we can beam someone down. Like, they could have just beamed him up. Yeah, But the then you wouldn't would have, have the running sequence. Exactly. So you got to come up with something and then better. You got, and then you got that cool fight, which is cool. And then, now the only thing was, like, really, they're going to send down Uhura. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They send down Uhura onto a moving platform... Which they just said they couldn't beam out a uh, John Harrison or Khan from mm-hmm. a friggin' standard uh, like the ships have stopped cr- like it's crashed it's done yeah so it's so stupid we can beam down but we can't beam up they can beam her pinpoint onto a platform that's moving I let it happen I'm okay with and that. of course she's wearing her dress which is kind of funny too because I was expecting it to go flying upward <laughs> at some point. Wow, I don't think that's then you would have said making. this was unnecessary. <laughs> well, I mean, it was kind of funny because it was getting to pretty close there with the uh, with the you know like it was pretty windy on that thing. Yes, it was. Not like I'm glad it didn't happen, but mm-hmm. I was half expecting it to. I liked also like there's certain things you wouldn't have been able to get out of a Kirk Con uh, showdown, which is you're having um, Spock actually like do the uh, the nerve pinch on him. And yeah, him, and him fighting it off. Well, it's more like for a physical fight, it makes more sense that it's Kirk, or sorry, that it makes that it's Spock because Spock is much stronger than yeah. than a human. So it makes more sense as a physical yeah. standpoint. Jump backwards just for a second. Um, I know that you. I don't think you were a fan of of um, uh, Spock getting the Khan moment, screaming Khan's name. Yeah, I mean, again, that that sort of felt forced. It was kind of like, but people who I mean well, I guess don't know fits. a lot about Star Trek and know. This, the idea of Star Trek, because there's certain elements of Star Trek that are in the popular culture, and obviously that is a big one. Yeah, it no, is, that, I mean, screaming Khan. So I mean, I'm okay yeah, with it. Like, okay, it wasn't because I liked it wasn't Kirk doing it. Yeah, and no, then no, it, it, felt it like, made sense. It made sense that it was Spock, and it was used in a different way. You know, like it was. But again, I would have liked to have had Kirk say the other line. Then, like, give, give me a bone, like throw me. You know, they still gave you the lines. Yeah, but I would have loved that. But line. actually, no, I like that they didn't go with like. Uh, Kirk saying that well Kirk saying it would have been a little bit interesting if they'd also had Spock say it at the beginning of the movie but again I like that things played out a little bit differently lines are spoken not by the right person yeah, different like, timing like I, I it worked know, it wasn't moment. that bad it was alright I like it it's fun it was alright it was a moment for Spock to show some emotion and it worked yes and yeah and I, it's interesting though that Spock's biggest show of emotion is when Kirk is dying and not even his own death 
because he was scared of like he wasn't really like he didn't oh right yeah because earlier the in the volcano the... he says that he doesn't want to feel that feeling that he felt when Vulcan was destroyed yeah so he tries to just push that back but when though Kirk he dies, ends he up can't. he ends up feeling that again though with uh, with Pike when he mind melts with him yes when he dies and then he can't mind well with Kirk but. Yeah, he feels he that. He feels influence. that emotion again, right? It's interesting. It's only been a year, and they're pretty close friends for a year. Yeah, I mean, again, that, that's one sort of minor issue there. Like, but how, I guess did, how you... did they build that massive ship in such a short period of time? They're really good engineers, man. Yeah, they just, like, put everybody on the project, apparently. That's what Nobody happens. was like, what I mean, the hell is this? how quick did they rebuild the Death Star? But that <laughs> took a while. It wasn't... And it wasn't even finished. It was fully operational. It wasn't finished. There's still contractors on that thing. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, who, who does Starfleet subcontract to? Oh, that's a whole other. Well, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> and I mean, at least they built this one in space, which was good. Yes. And because uh, I, I hated the fact that the Enterprise was built on the land. Why? Because it's one of those Star Trek things that it's always been in space. Like parts of the ships may be assembled on the ground, but then would be hoisted into space. They don't build boats in the water. Take that, Tibor. Yeah, they don't build boats in the water for the exact reason that it's not. Who said? Uh, why would you build a spaceship in, on on the land when it's meant to be in space? But why, why would you build a boat on land when it's, it's meant, meant to be in the water? water? Well, you can't build it in the water. Why not? Well, you can't build a ship in space. <laughs> well, you Boy, can't lift the Enterprise out of the atmosphere. It says you. You're not a scientist. Though this ship has, what's it, even though it's three times the size of the Enterprise D, yeah. or whatever the hell its scale is, yeah. what's it, uh, it can apparently enter and exit. Uh, planetary or uh, what's it? Yeah. Atmosphere fairly easily. Yeah, and I guess that's that's pretty much the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, at that point, what's the horror goes down. Yeah, she, they, they he's capture him, from killing Khan. They bring him back. They take yeah. his blood. Right. They give that's actually why they're able to stop him from killing him. Basically, like yeah, they his at that point, Spock was going to pl- pummel him to whatever yeah. in in his wrath, and uh, but then really his wrath. Yes, <laughs> we have to use it because they used it, and that's uh, it. Okay. And then Ahura stops him from killing him yep. because they needed his blood. Which was again, why did they need Khan's blood specifically when they had seventy one other I, I had no problem with that because they they're, they're still to, frozen. They're still frozen. First of all, how long does that take? Second well, of all, they said earlier they didn't know how the proper sequencing or whatever of unfreezing these guys. Plus, I, then they I, have another guy on their hands. Yeah, I had no problem with that. Actually, well, they put whatsoever. they took one guy out and put Kirk in yeah, that prior to Yeah, but they left him in a him. coma yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they induced a coma. In They're not going to bring him, like, wake him up to. Well, they knew how to use the cryo thing pretty well. Well, they it they out. Were, yeah, well, yeah, I'm okay maybe with they it. found the manual. I don't have the problem you do. I don't know. I thought that like the whole they just needed that running sequence because they wanted to add that little bit of action. We're against you here. I, I don't know. They could have used somebody else's blood. To be fair, I think if if why does Khan's blood the only one that can when the other augments are right there? You know, to be fair, how long does it take they to don't, blood? Plus, they don't know for sure that they're all going to have as good. Like they have a proven sample from Khan. Right, whatever. Well, I, no, it's been proven I that think it, it, it saved the triple. Confirmed, which conveniently came to life as like uh, McCoy yes. was was uh, mourning. Have you cause... not watched a movie ever? Well, anyway, I mean, if you like, unless your favorite movie, and you tell me there's no con- you know contrivance. There in that is, movie. but I think that, like I find that movies today have more holes in them. I just think writers these days don't care as much. It seems to be like I think you haven't watched a lot of old movies. Yeah, whatever. There, there are some giant holes in them. Okay. Anyway, so at that point they get him back, uh, and then it comes on to. Uh, it goes black, yeah, and then it's Kirk waking up after, which we all knew he was McCoy now wearing a new uniform. 
Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why it bothers me. Yeah, so much. It was, well, they're at, on. It looks like they're in uh, Starfleet Medical. Yeah, like it's on Earth. It looks like at that point. Yeah, and then from there we go to like uh, a memorial service mm-hmm. for everyone who died. Yeah, basically or it's a the christening of the new the new. Well, it was the christening of the new five year mission as well. Yeah. Yes, which we forgot to mention in the beginning. When Kirk is being demoted, he thinks Kirk that was excited about because he thought he was going to get that. He five was getting year the five year mission. Yeah, which... maybe someone else had it before. Well, no, but apparently this was the first time this was done. Mm. Which kind of negates Enterprise altogether, because what was Enterprise doing then if they weren't... Was it a five-year mission? I I guess it wasn't a five-year mission. Then there you go. Though I did like seeing the NX-01 in the line of ships that uh, Admiral Marcus had in the back of his uh, desk there. That was kind of a nice nod to to Enterprise. At least one person cares about Enterprise besides you. I thought Enterprise was good. I know, I know. All right, so that that's basically the movie, and that, it ends with what them them leaving again. Yeah, it it, start, it ends with the five year mission starting, which basically felt like the ending of the first one. Absolutely, yeah, totally. Kind of, it did. was kind of the same ending. Yeah, I mean, except and then, for now, instead of Nimoy doing the uh, yeah, instead line, of Nimoy doing it, it now it's uh, Chris Pine doing the uh, yeah. All right, Kelly. Yes. Now that we've gone through the plot of the movie, much yes. more succinctly than we did with Iron Man, to be honest. That was more uh, succinct. Yeah, with the Iron Man one, we jumped the, around I think a we're already more. longer than your Iron Man Oh, much longer, was. yeah. So then how does that succinct? Not succinct, sorry. We followed the, the threads more, more... chronological? More thoroughly. Yeah, we picked it apart a bit more. In Iron Man, I think... Well, I think there's a lot more to the plot here than... I, Iron Man was a little bit more simple. So oh. you could kind of say point A to B to C to D. Here, it felt like there was a lot more elements going through. Gotcha. So what was your... How many... How many... I don't know. Torpedoes out of ten would you give it? I don't know. I, well, what would you give 2009? Well, I don't rate movies. Okay, but if you uh, had to, not... this is what we do on the podcast, so here you go. What's it out of? Five? Ten? Out of ten. Ugh. You are allowed halves. Because I think, wasn't it, wasn't it Paul who's like, you can't, you give it a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul gave it a half, I believe. Um, and then I talked to him about something else, he's like, well, I'll give it a half. I'm like, you, you just said we couldn't do that. I don't know, like an eight? Give it an eight, the first, the 2009. Uh, I give them both like an eight, maybe. Okay. So nine. you were about equal on both of these as a enjoyment. Yeah. You didn't enjoy one more than the other. Um, no. Okay. Uh, boy Okay. To be fair, it was, uh, I gave Iron Man a five, which I think was really harsh. <laughs> okay. Looking back at it, um, so this is to correct the previous uh, rating for Iron Man okay. three. I would put Iron Man three at like a seven. Okay. Um. So that shows you have growth as a person. You're yeah. able to reevaluate the Yeah, yeah. no, I was harsh on, on Iron Man 3. Um, I'd give that a 7. I'd probably, you know what, I actually, honestly, going into this, I thought that this was going to be horrible. Like, Oh, we know, that's what we were afraid scene, of seeing. From, with from the scene, like the 9 minute like sequence, I thought that that 9 minute sequence was going to be the tone of the movie. Okay. Just like jokey and stupid. Like, I hated the opening sequence. I honestly okay. did. But to be fair, it surprised me, and I thought it was m- much more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. And uh, I, like I said, I like the character moments. Like I like that it slowed down and it wasn't just constant action in your face mm-hmm. as they sort of advertised it. So um, I actually enjoyed Inner Darkness better than Star Trek 09. Okay. Uh, I think there was, in Star Trek 09, there I was a you, lot more little things that bothered me. I think you mean to say Star Trek Inner Darkness. It's one word, one title. Oh, yeah. Fuck, sorry. There's no colon in the title anymore. Because Which is a big problem for me. J.J. <laughs> Abrams decided to change everything. Um, yeah, so I, overall, this one had less little things that uh, disturbed the overall enjoyment for me. Okay. W- whereas 2009 had more. So what would your rating for 2009 be? 2009, I would give it a six. Really? Six and a half, maybe. Okay. 
And I put this up there at like seven and a half, eight. Okay. Uh, for myself, I'd say the 2009 was about an eight. And I'd give this maybe an eight and a half, almost a nine. I really enjoyed it. I can pick apart certain things easily, but I mean, I still really, I really dug it. And I thought Cumberbatch did a great job. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I, like, I didn't mind him being con. Though, to be fair, he could have been another character. Like, it didn't really have to be con, but... No. I don't think it takes away from it. No, like, no, I didn't... I, I, like, they didn't shit on him like they did the Mandarin. No. No, they did not. Because they gave... They actually paid respect to they, Khan. They gave, him a, they gave him some really badass moments. Like, when right. he takes down all those Klingons, you're like, holy shit, what are they yeah. going to do? No, he was... The, the essence of Khan was there, which was good. Like, we like we never really got to see... As I said before, we never really got to see him be a superhuman. And here he was... He was a superhuman. Yeah. He had abilities far beyond those of mortal men. And I appreciate that we got to see that. And that he was, like, brilliant and... Well, the and last one was did. like a submarine fight. Rathacon, the, the, it was ship-on-ship action, were not one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, and I like that there still was some ship-on-ship action here, but it really wasn't the focus. No, it was, it was more actually, the characters. It, it, although, I, I gotta say, it does feel like that's two, uh, two movies in a row where the Enterprise feels like it got a little shit upon. Like, it is supposed to be the best ship in the fleet. Both time, like this one, it got crippled pretty fast by having issues with its core, and then being going up against a severe, severely uh, overpowered... Uh, vessel, so we didn't really have a shot at doing a firefight. And in the first one, again, a much bigger vessel with way too much firepower. firepower. Yeah. So we haven't actually gotten Seems to, to be see a bit of a recurring theme a little bit. So we haven't really actually had a chance to see the Enterprise really engaging in a in a more of an equal battle. And that's true. The the only thing I thought was weird is that they make a big um, a big show of the Klingons, and they're barely in it. Like they they talk yeah. about them. They're in your space. You. You've, you've gone, like, really, there already is enough reason for them to declare war. You've gone onto their home planet, and you've killed some people. And it doesn't matter who did it, per se. It looks like it was Starfleet. So that's enough for the, the Empire to say, we're declaring war. Yeah, I guess. That's good, but, but there's nothing talked about. Yeah, that's true. They sort of ignored that whole aspect. Of, like, and no a... Klingon ship showed up like while they were sitting there in the, yeah. the edge of the neutral zone. No. There. Like, it, like I, I understand. You'd think they would dispatch some... Yeah. Especially if they're randomly searching like a derelict city anyway, right? Yeah. Like, like back in the day, the whole idea of the, the Cold War aspect of the of, of the relationship between the two was very much like there's this the detente, but you don't mess with us, we won't mess with you. And if you it was do more with the Romulans, but the Klingons yes. were at the same time. Like, like in the, but TOS. the Klingons, there was a lot of that going on as well. So I mean, I, it was just interesting that they go down and they do do an act of aggression, and there is no follow up. What you said, doo doo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's what the podcast has become. Um, but anyways, uh, okay, it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the movie. It just seemed an odd choice. Yeah, well, they tend to ignore because they stuff. they needed them to be there for the plot device of you know of setting up the confrontation with Kirk and Khan and the idea of trying to eliminate Khan. Like I understand the story. Aspect he could have gone anywhere though. He didn't have to go to Kronos, but I think the they, main they reason... needed it to be a reason that Kirk would go against his orders to go get the son of a bitch as opposed to just executing him. And they yeah, needed true. a reason why would you, why would he only ever have to execute him as opposed to just getting him? Well, you can't go in there because you'd be violating space, so you have to sit on the edge of the neutral zone. I get the story aspect. The, 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 it's, well, a little, the it's almost contrived, but it works for me. Yeah, as no, long as you right. have some sort of proportional response. Maybe Star Trek Three or whatever they want to call it will be you know, the wrath of the Empire. I, don't, but like, I want to see some sort of uh, retribution on the behalf from the Klingons. At some point. Now, because we're kind of confined to these movies now, movies generally are these standalone adventures, although Star Trek 2, 3, and 4 kind of fucked that trend because they were their own thing. They were all kind of combined. Yeah, it was a trilogy. Uh, I would like to see 
that the next one we're seeing a little bit more of more you know, of a the, connection to these yeah, two. Like there certain actions were made, there is now repercussions. That being said, as much as I want to see that, I also want to see them just doing a fun mission, them exploring. Seeing them encounter new a new world or a new civilization, so I'm kind of torn. And on the one side, I want them to address what was kind of the uh, the hornet's nest that was disturbed in this movie, but at the same time, reach the potential that is that the end of both movies kind of uh, led us towards. True, yeah, they did really feel both the same sort. Like it did feel like the same sort of ending in both of them. It, but was, that's the it basically of, was the same ending. Like, yeah, it was pretty much like it. almost shot for shot because of the way Kirk walks on the bridge too. It yeah, was, well, like, yeah, and I, it was again, almost shot. For I just shot. watched it yesterday. Yesterday, so I'm like, I've seen this. Did they even shoot this again? <laughs> it's like JJ just uh, we, we don't want to do an ending. We'll just do a you know get like, that stock. You've run shot. out of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be said though, like that's one of the limitations of the films. Like that. That's why in a lot of ways Star Trek. Is better on TV, in in my, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of Star Trek fans, you can opinions. explore the themes and the, the, the a lot of what Star Trek is was originally based on more adequately in a half in, in an hour television series. Yeah, because like always the, the the movies is like and that one of the failures I think in the next generation fran- like franchise films was that they always tried to make it more action based and more action based and like that wasn't really in the next generation like it wasn't as action oriented. As like the original series was, yeah, that it was, was more like, exploring ideas and thoughts. Yeah, and, you know, Picard wasn't the hey, let's go shoot him up, cowboy, right? No, whereas so, yeah, exactly. I mean, because uh, Roddenberry had written westerns, so he wrote Star Trek basically as a western. Yeah, and and Kirk was more the shoot him up cowboy, so that's sort of why the, these ones work. I do hope that J.J. Abrams gets to finish the trilogy. Like, I'm hoping that doesn't get too stuck on Star Wars. Well, the problem is that they have, like from what I understand is Paramount wants to do like for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek they want the next movie. So, like I think basically they're going ahead with or without JJ Abrams, which is unfortunate because mm. I think he should get a chance to finish this trilogy. Now, when is the 50th anniversary? What year is that? Uh, I don't know offhand exactly what are we What doing? a horrible Star Trek fan you are. <laughs> Shame 2013. On you. Your mom would be ashamed of your lack of knowledge. Whatever. 96 was uh, the 30th anniversary, right? Okay, so 66 was when it started? Yes. Okay, so that makes sense. Okay, so they, they've got three years. Yeah, they got three years. It's not too bad. Except that uh, I believe Star Wars is supposed to be 2015, right? Yes. So, yeah. Abrams is a little busy in the middle. But, you know, Abrams has enough people he works with. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just... People in his stable, he could still just executive produce it. Though I kind of want him at the helm to finish his trilogy. You know, as long as you have it written by, uh, I guess, what, Kurtzman and Orky? Yeah, and... which I don't give all that much credit to. No, but, I mean, as long <laughs> as you have a lot of the same creative, I mean, as long as it, if it's some, if he still executive produces it and it still has a little bit more of a hand, like, not like John Favreau in Iron Man 3, because he was an executive producer, but it didn't feel like he was really shaping it all that much. No. I, as long as I can f- feel his hands on the franchise, which is a weird thing to say, but I want to feel his fingerprints on it. I did notice, actually, that um, a lot less lens flare in this uh though it was there that was still there it was still there but there was a lot less of it and i think it was just that was a reaction to fan complaints yeah and i gotta give them credit like they did address like certain fan like complaints from the first one like the look of engineering even though they did go back to the budweiser thing like for a quick shot the main sort of engineering set was that research facility or whatever it was yeah and gave it a bit more of a you know engineering feel than true even though i like the warp core myself final thoughts kelly Final thoughts. I liked it. You liked it? Okay. I enjoyed it. Would you watch it again? Yeah, I probably if, will. If it was on on TV, would you... Yeah, I'll put it on. You, you Okay, good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Okay. I was thinking my eight was a bit low, but... You can you can make it higher. Well, I was eight and a half. <laughs> I'm not holding you to nine, it. I'm I don't know. Eight and a half, I don't nine? Really, 
rank things, but it was okay. it was quite enjoyable. Okay. I actually didn't find that the... I forgot I was wearing the 3D glasses, and I didn't I feel... I hate 3D anything, though. I know, but I didn't feel like I it was... I put it back to an 8 just for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'd like to see it in... Like, we saw it in AVX, so we didn't see it in IMAX. I wouldn't mind checking it out again in IMAX to see yeah. which scenes... So you would actually see it again, though? I would, actually, yeah. So you were wrong. I, I was going into it. I honestly thought it was like I, when I'm you said walk you thought seeing this movie and, was a and, chore. And every time, every time something happened that was similar to Star Trek Two, though, I was cringing inside because I was like, uh, one of these moments, Tibor's going to lean over to me and he's going to say, "This is horseshit." Because I remember no, I, when we saw Dark Knight Rises, I thought you were enjoying the movie, and then you lean over, you're like, "This is bullshit." And I'm like, "Dark Knight Rises is a whole other story. That movie was horrible." Hold on, Kelly hasn't seen it. Let's not talk about it. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah, I guess what's it? Ultimately, like I want Abrams to finish the trilogy. But why uh, is it a trilogy? Is it a trilogy? I think do it's we know it's a trilogy, trilogy, or do we? It could be six, seven, eight movies. True, it could be more. Yeah, we, but we these, don't know. these days it feels like they don't go that long. Plus, they like to they like to reboot things and they like to people, yeah. keep people just, young. Personally, which, that's kind of I want to see Star Trek on TV again. What's what's interesting? Yeah, that's true. And I want to see the Prime Universe. That's that's me as it an old fan. It doesn't feel like a trilogy. No, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't feel like a trilogy. It could be more, absolutely. The second one was not... The... It ends like the first one. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't end the way the second part of a trilogy should. No. No, well, The second true. part of a trilogy... I think... Trilogies... There's two different types of trilogies. The ones you're talking about where it's meant to be, and so the second chapter feels like it is the second chapter. It's more of a downer. Trilogy. Yes. And then there's... the triumphant... Yes. And then, there's the, and then there's the more modern version of a trilogy, which is just... Well, we're going to end up making three movies, so it might make the third one the bookend. They'll tie back in. Iron Man three felt that way. Well, I didn't the, see it. the Iron Man two did not in any way feel like the you know it wasn't Empire Strikes Back. It wasn't you know a movie that meant you go like okay what happens next? There's obviously another part. It, it wasn't Matrix two. It wasn't you know Dark Knight. It wasn't well Dark Knight again. It didn't feel like it needed another chapter because at the end it's all no well, they he set like up run a few off things. or whatever like. Well, yeah, he leaves. Yeah. He, he leaves. And, okay, that's the same as... I, mean, I guess. I, he's I, not well, frozen I mean, and he, and in And a, he's put, set up as the villain, right? Like, well, he's yeah, set up so as being more... to come back to I guess, triumphant. but again, even there, I felt like it didn't need to. I and needed it. to be honest, if you ever watch... If, if you ever do see Arises, he never really does kind of come back in a triumphant way right away. Well, that's a, anyway, that's let's, let's leave Dark Knight Rises on the floor <laughs> where it belongs. But yeah, there are different versions of Trilogies. I agree. This wasn't one that set itself up immediately for one. No, it, it was kind of funny because it almost felt like the first one was uh, here. We're going to get into the five-year mission, though we didn't, and then now we're, here we are getting into. the Yeah, five-year it makes mission. you wonder what do they do in the last year? But I guess they were just doing other things, exploring like you wanted them to do. I know, but I just thought it was the part of the, the five-year mission. No. Yeah, they sort of didn't really address it. But I do like the idea that maybe he was priming himself so that he would get that mission. Yeah, I guess they were That's sort of doing cool. like routine stuff. Well, they had just flat out been like and you guys are the first people ever to get the five year mission you'd have been like oh what do you do to deserve this now he's more deserving he is more deserving now it does make- well yeah he's definitely more deserving of the captain's chair than he was in, after the first one yes, which did. I think was one of the big fan upsets right so yeah I did like seeing Sulu in the captain's chair yeah it was kind because of good because Sulu is, does become a captain eventually so I like spoiler seeing him there yeah I'm sure uh, so I like seeing him there because that, that felt natural for him yeah, no, well, that's it. It was a nod to the Excelsior, and maybe we'll see the Excelsior at some point. Someday, yeah. Who knows? I but, I mean, I again, it leaves the... Leaves Excelsior's the... a ship. Yeah, I figured that. And Sulu is the is the well, captain of said ship. But I don't... It's been in other movies. Undiscovered Country. Was that the first movie we've seen in? No, man, come on. Excelsior? Star Trek Three. 
You know, I forget Star Trek Three. Star Trek Three. What's it? Uh, the Excelsior is the new, you know, top of the line Federation oh. experimental ship. NX two thousand. Is he captain there? He's not captain of that ship. No. Okay. Like, uh, when does he become captain of the Excelsior? Well, Star Trek Six. He's captain. That's of the what I was mentioning. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, the ships. I thought you were talking about the ships. I meant plans. first seeing him as captain of the Excelsior. No. Yeah. It's I wasn't specific enough for you. You were oh. not. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's our episodes. This has been episode eighty of Comic Shenanigans Spotlight on Star Trek in the Darkness. Um, I have been joined today by my fabulous co-hosts, Kelly. <laughs> Just Kelly. They know me. Okay, and two more mates. And I'm of course, of course, am Adam Chapman. You can uh, email us at comicshenanigans at gmail dot com. Like us on Facebook, or you can also uh, post in the HC Realms thread uh, where this uh, episode will go up. Um, so thanks for joining us, and we'll be sure to see you next time. Bye-bye.